What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Seattle Sports Diaries. It is the 70th episode. We are 30 episodes away from 100. Uh, unbelievable, but, you know. Should have stopped at the last one. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. By the way, to everybody who didn't who uh, missed our tweet earlier today, uh, we are giving away a 65-inch TV. Um, yeah, so yeah, we have a tweet that's up. We'll, all you got to do is just like it, retweet it, quote it, comment on it, follow us, do whatever. We're going to give the TV away on Christmas Day. So that'll be a really nice Christmas gift to somebody. But, yeah, uh, if you don't want that TV, feel free to give it to me. <laughs> Uh, we got a really good show for you today. Uh, Nate's going to be here at uh, 5.30 as usual to talk some Mariners. Uh, Chris Henderson is going to be joining us at 5.45 to talk some baseball Hall of Fame as well. Then at 6.15, we have Kraken play-by-play uh, -play announcer John Forslund joining me on the program to talk some Kraken hockey. Jersey. Oh, appreciate it, man. I, I, sure. yeah, I, oh, yeah. I think the white ones are honestly the best ones, to be honest. The blue ones are really the nice. But the hat doesn't match, though. Yeah, well, still. <laughs> but uh, we have something good to talk about, man. We finally have a freaking Seahawks win that we can talk about. Yeah, we can be and weird like Jameis Winston and fucking put our fingers together west side and start eating them like they're a fucking W. <laughs> Is that what I we're gonna do? For, that, is that that's cringe as fuck? But yeah. Oh god, that 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 <laughs> you bringing that up? It's that's a fucking horrible memory. But yeah, the Seahawks <laughs> able to pull off the twenty, the thirty to twenty three win in this one. Uh, but unfortunately, with this one, uh, the Seahawks did lose Jamal Adams for the rest of the season. That's a big loss for the Seahawks. But I mean, let, let's go ahead and talk about this. I mean, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense played very efficiently in this game. Uh, was the first time I want to say since Halloween that the Seahawks were able to move the ball well, move it efficiently, uh, control the time of possession as well. And the defense even played just as well. I mean, it, the, the Seahawks played well on all cylinders in this game. Uh, you know, the, the Seahawks went down 17 to seven, but uh, Russell Wilson said, you know, hey, we're not out of this game and led the team back was able to fight back, get the lead, tie the, or tie the game, then get the lead. But, uh, you know, at the end, though, that last play, my hair went from red to gray in about four fucking seconds. <laughs> yeah, the last play was a little harrowing because it brought back memories of how many times in the past has this happened to us. How many mm -hmm. times we watched it, especially, I mean, even in the LOB era where you watched them move the ball down the field and then win in the last second because, you know, I mean, it happened in Atlanta in the playoffs or the start of the, you know, the LOB era. Here's this vaunted defense, you know, back then, and then then Atlanta comes right down and moves the ball right down and wins it. You're just like, God damn! And we saw it. A, I mean, we saw it a lot. So at that point, we all know, you know, buckle up, put your seatbelts on because it's gonna be a it's gonna be a bumpy ride. Definitely, but it, ended, it ended up well, and uh, you know, Jimmy G did what Jimmy G does, and and he got pressured, felt a little bit of pressure, and then hurried it out. And then Carlos Dunlap, who hasn't appeared all damn season, appeared twice in that game. He had the sack for the uh, for the safety, which was mm -hmm. huge. And then he gets the, the game-winning bat down. Yeah, I mean, Carlos Dunlap, you know, it took him, uh, what was it now, 13 games. But, you know, he fi finally was able to, to get noticed. But let's talk a little bit about Russell Wilson. Russell, uh, 30 for 37 in this game, 231 yards, two touchdowns. 
Uh, seven of those passes going to Tyler Lockett, five of them going to DK Metcalf, and uh, three of them going to D. Eskridge, one of them which is uh, his first career touchdown. But the, the one thing that I want to talk about about this is right off the back, Pete Carroll with the balls of steel with the fake punt and Travis Homer goes 73 yards. Who, by the and way, it, is out this Sunday. Yep, unfortunately, and along with Adrian Peterson. Oh, is Peterson out this coming Sunday too? I think so. I think from what I just read on Twitter, I think he's going to be out with a lower back injury. So that's I, not I haven't been on this afternoon to see. The last thing I saw was the fact that he was out and then um, Brennan Shell was out again too. Yeah, I mean, Seahawks just can't avoid those injury bugs. But again, you know. Time to get a new strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, let's talk about this. I mean, uh, so many of us, we bashed Travis Homer before. (laughs) A lot of people bashed Travis Homer. But for some reason, you know, this guy seems to make plays, especially when it comes to special teams, whether it's an onside kick return for a touchdown, (laughs) which I thought was hilarious in that when I went to that game. Yeah, that was pretty good. Or, or again, you know, taking a – we this isn't the first time we've seen Travis Homer take a fake punt. But, I mean, you know, when Travis Homer gets the opportunities, he shows off what he can really do. He shows off the speed. He shows off the agility. But the the problem with Travis Homer is just he can't find the holes uh, when, you know, it's not, it's not special teams. Because, honestly, Where if he couldn't – if he couldn't find that hole on that punt return, then something's wrong with him. But oh, but my point being is, is I mean, like, let's not let's be completely honest. Um, Seattle's offensive line is terrible at run blocking, and it's showed by the fact that there's there's I don't you'd have to look it up. I don't know what the advanced metric stat is on it, but I'm I know that the um, yards per cop before first hit or whatever, however they they turn that for running backs, isn't very good for Seattle. It's not mm-hmm. like they're they're running behind an all pro line. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, no. I mean this this offensive line. You know, it's been bad for all of Russell Wilson's career. But this game, it just showed it wasn't just bad how he was a rookie. And it wasn't no, bad. It, and it no, wasn't it bad was when he won the Super Bowl. It was the it was the highest paid one of the highest paid lines I think in the league at the time when they won the Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's or just... more so. And then after that, yeah, that was Cable can fix it all. And don't worry, Tom, Cable's here. Mm-hmm. And, but again, all we've seen from this offensive line, it, it's just a dumpster fire. I mean, I've never seen an offensive line this bad. And it just seems to get worse and worse, you know, every game. But for some, for some miracle, you know, Russell Wilson was able to... Uh, find the necessary passes that he needed to find and lay him in. And the Seahawks were able to get, again, you know, a win's a win. Yeah, and Russ seems to be healing because we we would talk about this the last few weeks where we talk about the accuracy issue where he's sailing throws, throws are going wide, throws are going short, throws are going all over the fucking place. I mean, let's be honest. He was he was missing wide open guys. And in this game, you know, he had a couple misfires that are still there. Mm-hmm. But it was not nearly as bad as, say, like Green Bay was or or any of the other games that they played so far. I mean, so... It was, it was, it, you know, Green Bay was, was real bad. And then this was, this was night and day. We've seen some improvement. So, you know, they, they, they said it was up to eight week process for that, for that finger injury. And I don't care how many times you get up in the middle of the night to rehab. And I don't care how many super nano <laughs> bubbles you drink. I mean, like at the end of the day, the human body is the human body. It's going to take however long it takes for it to get healed, no matter what you try to do to, to do it otherwise. 
And exactly. you know, making it back at, at the at the at the four to eight weeks is what they said, and he made it back at the four. And I think they more ideally said somewhere around six. You know, he makes it back at four. That's uh, that's a big difference because he's. I don't think he was quite ready to come back, and I think it should. No, I I don't think he was quite ready either. I think that Geno Smith should have been playing quarterback those last three games. Um, I 100% believe that Geno Smith should have been playing because again you could tell that, you know, Russell Wilson, th- that injury was still ailing him. But in this game, you definitely could tell that uh, he, he is, he's healed a little bit better and he was more accurate than he has been in the last three weeks. So it's nice to see that. But again, it's nice to see him read the wide or the, the middle of the field too, for, for that. Exactly. Um, Cause he hits, he hit that touchdown to Swain right up the middle of the field. Yeah. Swain, wasn't it? Yep. It was Swain. Um, my, my brain's not with it today. It wants to take a nap, <laughs> but I was trying to remember. I was pretty sure it was swaying right at the seam that he hit him with. Yeah. Uh, some, I also want to talk about, let, let's go ahead. I need to pull this up, but, uh, two guys that need to get some need to get just a lot of attaboys is Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks. I oh, mean, you're because... going to give them attaboys. And here I'm going to tell you that the fact that they're one and three in the league or one and four in the league in tackles is because they had a defense that's on the field a lot. But, but I, mean, I mean, they're still making the tackles. Don't get me wrong. But also, but also Jordan Brooks, it seems like he's coming into his own. It really does. It seems like him being under Bobby Wagner's tutelage is, is kind of showing right now. And, Look, I get it. The defense has been on the field most of the season for the Seahawks, but credit you got to give credit where credit is due. And Jordan Brooks has really turned into a really interesting uh, pick for this Seahawks team. He's definitely definitely one of the better picks that I think the Seahawks made a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, look, was losing uh, K.J. Wright a big loss this year? It really was. It really was. But Jordan Brooks has definitely stepped up. Well, I mean, Brooks has stepped up. You know, he had the tape to show that he could be good. It, his tape was divisive, though, when you look at it, because he had, what was it, like a sophomore, his sophomore junior season where he was asked to do more pass coverage, he looked better. And then uh, he got a lot of heat. And I gave the heat, too, and said, oh, great, Seattle Seattle went and got themselves a pass or a run-blocking line or a run-stuffing linebacker when they need someone that can be versatile. Mm-hmm. because they leak so badly. And, I mean, they still do. Don't get me wrong. When you watch the linebackers playing 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, that's bad. And you, you know, you, there's a lot of – I don't care how much you try to spin. Oh, look, Norton's done a good job. They're only – you know, the last little bit, they're only allowing like 16 or 17 points a game. Look where they are in the middle of the league. They're like seventh in points allowed or whatever they are. I don't care. <clears throat> the point is, is when you're allowing 340-some-odd yards of offense a game, you're you're not doing your job. And I'm not expecting them to be the LOB 2.0 and I'm not expecting them to to knuckle down, but there's, there's things they got to do better. And you see, you hate to see, like I said, you you talked about Adams being gone. That's, that's a loss. No matter how you spin it is Adams is a big, uh, a big piece and you paid a big price for him. And now he's missed game multiple games in the two seasons. You've had him Mm -hmm. when he was healthy with the jets. You so it definitely is something with this strength and conditioning coaches. I think that that points at it is, is that's I was going to use this point at the fact that he was pretty much healthy the three seasons over in, in uh, New York. And then he comes mm-hmm. to Seattle and he misses games. And now, you know, surgically repaired. And look, shoulders are, shoulders are tricky. And I mean, you see that from, from all these guys, they have multiple <laughs> shoulder surgeries. And if you only have one surgery done, 
and it sticks, I think you're lucky, but I think that, you know, more or less likely they're going to go back in there and, and work on it. And that's kind of maybe what happened here. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to say it, but I just know shoulders have a, uh, a shelf life <laughs> for sure. So, you know, some of it's, uh, some of it's bad luck, but as a whole, when you look at the injuries Seattle suffered the last few seasons, it makes you wonder about their strength and conditioning program. Uh, yeah, it really does. Because again, you know, I think a lot of this coaching staff has got uh, questions to it. I mean, definitely with Ken Norton, it, he, he's been a big question mark over the last few seasons. Um, you know, the offensive line coach, I want to say is a big question mark as well, but all of a sudden now you really do need Alari. to look at this. Yeah. You really do need to look at the strength and conditioning, uh, that the Seahawks or that the Seahawks have, and it's not a good strength and conditioning with the fact that a lot of these guys can't stay healthy or the fact that these guys were healthy at one point and now they just can't seem to stay healthy. Chris Carson, Chris Carson, though, he's a different story. I don't think, I don't want to put that on the strength and conditioning, but it's just, you know, uh, look at Rashard Penny. Rashard Penny's never been able to stay healthy as well. Uh, well, and he was another guy that was healthy in college, mm -hmm. but you look at like Carson, um, the, the thing is, is that was pointed out today, I don't know, by someone, on, one of the Seahawk beat reporters on Twitter, when somebody was negative about it, he said, you know, the average shelf life of a running back is 2.9 years. Mm, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, someone else, um, had, you know, and basically they had said it's car collision after car collision after car collision for those men. So exactly. I, understand, I understand. I understand. And that's true. You look at some of the better backs that stick around. I mean, but how many, how many other teams have backs that are, revolving turnstiles i mean not not a lot you, you really can't name it so uh just read the uh tweet from bob condota condota uh so carol says adrian peterson has a lower back issue and will not play this week so the seahawks are definitely going to be i want to say throwing the ball more this upcoming week against the texans but uh, likely unless they well collins doesn't wasn't healthy last week so collins will be back this week well, and look at it this way. I mean, this could be a really good opportunity for the Seahawks to, you know, the offense to actually do more than what they can against a team like the Texans. Because let's face it, the Texans is not really a high-powered team, but also you need to look at it this way. Exactly how many times have the Seahawks gone into a matchup with a team that they have to blow, that they are, you know, predicted to blow these teams out of the water and then they just lower themselves to that team. I mean, the last time I really, yeah, I mean, the, really the last time I saw the Seahawks really blow someone out of the water that they were supposed to was again, the, the Jacksonville Jags. Uh, last year they played the new, uh, they played the, the giants. They played down to them. I mean, it, it's not good when you they lost to them. Yeah. They lost them. And again, they played down to them and that's not, that wasn't a team that, that we should have really last year when I saw them lose to the giants, I even told myself, yeah, this team is not going to the super bowl. Uh, I mean, again, look, I know it's a one loss, but when you, when you play against a team like the giants, good teams they, don't lose to bad teams. And, and it would, and it would be the teams don't lose the bad teams. And it would be the same if like, let's say hypothetically speaking last year, the Seahawks, late, let me rephrase that late in the season. They don't lose. They don't lose the bad teams. Yeah, exactly. Early in the season, it's fine to lose the bad teams because it's again, it's early in the season, but when you lose late in the season, it's definitely a momentum killer, but let's look at it this way. Let's say the Seahawks uh, who are playing the Detroit lions who are, 
uh, last year, who are now a two to one trillion have have two to one trillion odds to make the playoffs. So let's put a two dollar bet on that real quick. <laughs> They're not making the playoffs. No, yeah. no. But I mean, still. But you know, let's say if the Seahawks were to play a winless uh, Lions team last year, and they were the same offense, same defense that they were last year, and they would have lost. It'd have been the same way. You can't lose to bad teams like that. And the C and again, I think the Seahawks should. I don't think the Seahawks should have a lot of trouble against this Texan team. But again, the Seahawks team has always had trouble against bad teams in the Houston's past. Pretty they punch less, and they're starting Joe somebody at quarterback now. I don't know. I don't know anything about the guy really. I mean, all I know is that they're not starting uh Tyrod Taylor you know they're starting uh whoever mm-hmm. the backup was that started I think last game for them is starting mm-hmm. the rest is, has been named starter for the rest of the season um whatever the whatever the guy's name is young guy um didn't do my homework today it's all right that's all right, me, that's all right. Hey, hey I just that's... know like I said I just know that whoever was the started last week is the one they named the rest of the season there's no there's no Tyrod Taylor so they're gonna have growing pains they're starting a young guy a new guy so that's something that you look with a veteran defense that can be able to capitalize on. Um, you know, and then you see um, another thing, speaking of injuries, like you see a, a really important one is you see Quandre Diggs pop up on the injury report with a calf mm-hmm. injury. That's that's a little worrisome because Diggs does a lot for this team. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the one of the most underrated safeties in the NFL. Yeah, no, hands down. I, I fully agree with that. Someone did – uh, I did see, I can't remember who it was, but someone was saying, let the Seahawks go out and sign Earl Thomas. And Earl's not in any shape to play, I don't think. No, and and here's the thing. So normally I do not hate on former players or players who did play for the Seahawks or Mariners. doesn't matter. But Earl Thomas is definitely uh, someone who has burned a bridge to even coming back to the Seahawks. I don't even know if he's got a chance to make the ring of honor with this team because he does. of the way because of the way he did leave us and the way he kind of acted uh throughout the because let's face it if you want to be a Seahawk for your life or you want to become a Seahawks legend you don't go into the Cowboys locker room tell Jason Garrett hey come get me you don't flip off the coaching staff after you break your leg because you were whining over a new contract and you still had one to finish and now He was on the the final year of his contract. He was on the final year of his contract. I understand why he wanted a new deal, but him breaking his leg was not, was not anybody's fault. I don't think, but I do. Well, it was, it was, it was whoever decided the first place not to have the surgery after the first broken leg to insert the rod. Mm -hmm. And after the second one, he, he opted to have the surgery to have the rod in place, replaced in his leg. So that's why he was able to come back and play. Pretty close to his old self in Baltimore for the season he was in Baltimore before his um, his attitude and his off-field uh, problems caught up and to him. That's, that's another reason why I would not want Earl Thomas back with this team because, again, you don't need a cancer like that in the locker room. You well, really don't. It's hard to say that he's, he, he'd be a cancer coming back. People learn a lot, and you can't hold it against him. Maybe he realizes that he's not he can't get away with the stuff he can. I think that we're talking about something that's not even feasible to talk about at this point. He, that'd be like saying that, oh, you know what? We should have Mike Bennett and Cliff Avril and all these guys come back at that point. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, they talked about bringing Sherman back. And you know, that one, I mean, that, that was that was a possibility. That was a possibility, but I'm just saying that that ended on a sour note in itself, did it not? 
and did it end on Sarano. But I I kind of feel like Richard Sherman might have a place in the Ring of Honor more than Earl Thomas might yeah, have. I think they all have their place of honor. I, you know, if, if Seattle can reconcile with, with Easley, who um, had been at odds with the franchise for decades, uh, they can mm-hmm. reconcile with Earl, and Earl can reconcile with them. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, let's, I mean, Sidney Jones made a big play, by the way, in this 49ers game. A lot of, and I, of course, you saw a lot of 49er fans. They were saying, oh, that, that's a pass interference. And they're saying, oh, a penalty cost <laughs> us the game. And it was both I, ways. But, but I find it hilarious. I, I find this just absolutely hilarious. It doesn't matter what happens with the Seahawks and the, the Niners. It doesn't matter who wins the outcome. One side is going to bitch and fucking bitch about one specific play and say that that cost him the game. But again, you know, I, I will say this. I don't think it was a pass interference. I think it was both players going for the ball. You know, I appreciate, you know, the refs let them play it out. So that was real good. Uh, but real quickly, let's go ahead and talk about this last night. Uh, uh, I found this really interesting because of the, of just who called him out on it, but let's go ahead. Uh, Chase Claypool last night for the Steelers, instead of getting up and getting and putting the ball down to hike or to spike it or whatever, cost his team, I think, 10 seconds. And instead, instead of, you know, I don't know. Did you watch the game last night? I must have missed that portion. Was that the last drive? I must have missed something. It was, it was the last drive. So the catch that he made for the first down, instead of, getting up and running to where the ball needs to be down and spiked. He gets up and just goes like that showboats and celebrates instead. And it costs the team 10 seconds. Now, I don't know if that extra 10 seconds would have helped the Steelers. I don't know, but Claypool is definitely getting a lot of criticism, especially by Ryan Clark uh, calling him out for saying of how immature and how he doesn't care about anybody but himself. People make mistakes. They mm-hmm. do things when they don't think. They, you know, I don't, I don't know what was going through his head. I'm not going to throw the guy under the bus and be like, ah, that's, you know, he's done a lot for their team. He's helped out. He, he showed up big last year. It's his second year in the league, I think, is what it is. So mm-hmm. I'm not like going to sit there and throw the guy under the bus. He'll learn his lesson. Tomlin, Tomlin will talk to him. They've got some veteran guys on that team that'll talk to him. He'll hear enough of it. Well, yeah, and then you know this is this is the same thing that they had with Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, Juju instead of focusing on the game is more focused on TikTok. But I think this is a totally different thing than Juju. But I want to say that maybe Claypool is a little bit better than Juju Smith-Schuster. I want to say that, but I don't know if I can say that. Mm, I don't know. You, you'd have to compare their resumes, and so far, I think that the JJ's is a higher higher resume. You know, but I mean, being it, things being things, people people make things and they make mistakes and in, in crucial moments all the time. Yeah, that's no um, that's no different than someone making a crucial critical holding call sometime or doing. Yeah, I mean, and, and back to stuff about the Seahawks is one thing we you mentioned Rashad Penny and I wanted to touch on that is how about that pass protection block? Oh my God! Can we we need to give him an attaboy for that one? That that, that was the, a fantastic to, block. To pick up the block and to pick or to pick up the blitz and block for Russell Wilson like that and give him time to throw that ball that was perfect. A great executed and, cut block. Exactly. Um, though uh, last Legal night cut the block. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was the play of the game. Really, 
it was it, it was extremely important, and I just I thought that was important. That's something that should be mentioned. Definitely, that was a that was um, a fantastic job. Um, you know, a lot of running, a lot of times they get criticized for not being physical, and there's a lot of things you can criticize Penny on. He he made a couple plays, and mm-hmm. he's he's doing the best he can for a guy that's missed as much time as he has. Yeah. Um, sad news though in the NFL last night, uh, coming to find out that Demarius Thomas, Broncos legend, uh, was. Uh, tragically passed away last night at the age of 33. Uh, no word yet on the cause of death, but it's uh, from what we're what I've been reading up. It was a medical condition, so I'm really hoping that I don't hear COVID. But I he'd but been I'm actually willing... suffering from seizures. I one of his family members had said, "Oh, so I read that today, and I don't remember what article it was, but I did read it in an article today that he had been suffering from seizures um, for the last, I think, almost like last year." Mm. Um, so I, I, I can't put, you know, to pin on exactly who it was, but it was, it was an article and I think, I do think it was on ESPN. Mm -hmm. So one of their beat writers, someone, someone anyway said that that was something that one of his family members had said that he had been suffering from seizures and yeah, that are, so I don't know, but yeah, it's sad. Um, I think best memory I have thinking about him is, is the, uh, 80 yard touch catch and run, uh, from Tebow against the Steelers to win that game in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was definitely one of my favorite memories of all time. Uh, some guy, though, last night on Twitter, I don't know if you saw, decided to uh, post a photo of Richard Sherman on Demarius Thomas. I can't remember the tweet, um, but he was. Let me go ahead and look this up because I want to I want to read this to you because this is kind of insensitive of what this person said because they were basically making fun of him. Well, I don't but, think it needs to be read then and give them any clout. Yeah, but Quite honestly, someone posts. If you someone, want to share it, you can share it privately, but let's not give that person any clout. Yeah. Well, someone shared the guy's address on the tweet. And I'm just like, okay, so you're just basically asking for people to deliver him letter bombs. Yeah, you're asking for someone to go ahead and, and uh, well, not just letter bombs. There might be even more, but. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so this upcoming week against the Texans, uh, I don't see anything that should stop the Seahawks from winning this game. I want to say it's going to be uh, probably a 30 to 17 win for the Seahawks. Um, I want to go ahead and give them just like a two touchdown favorite, because, again, I, do, I don't think the Seahawks are going to really I don't think they're going to struggle as much as we want to think that they would struggle. But. Again, you need to give the Texans some credit because, again, the Seahawks have always played down to uh, teams like the Texans. Now I got to look because I think 17 might be giving Houston too much. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to see what they've scored. I wanted to see what they've scored lately, but come on, stupid thing. <laughs> Teams get back to where we need to be. Just curious. Yeah, let's see here. So let's see what 21, the odds are. 21, 9, nothing. 22, 3, 5, 22, 9, 13, 14, nothing against Indy last week. Mm-hmm. 14 against the Jets. 20, 13 against Tennessee. 9 against Miami. So, so the, last, been... uh, the last four games, they haven't scored a whole lot. So maybe that might be. So what, what would I say? 30 to 10? Well, I mean, you say what you want to say, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go for 10. That sounds like a nice number. Okay, let's go with 10. But uh, yeah, back I mean, that shutouts would uh, shutout would be nice, but 
a shout out a shout out oh a shout out yeah shout i mean that would be nice yeah let's let's get a shout out because we gave up a garbage touchdown to the jags that should have been a 31 to nothing shutout so that really sucked yeah and the but, jags uh, at least have, the jags at least have a quarterback that's really good yeah probably i mean good. probably and, good i mean he was good in college i don't know what the stats are this year yeah I love the fact, though, that Gardner Minshew for the Eagles just decided to go out and say, look at what the Jags missed out. I want to say that the Jags really should have uh, kept Gardner Minshew. I really believe that they should have kept him. Minshew's not playing. He's behind Jalen Hurts. No, he played last week. Did he? Mm. Yeah. You didn't see it? No. Minshew Mania was back. Oh, no, I didn't see it. it. wasn't on anywhere on my timeline, and I didn't look because I don't care about the Eagles. Yeah. Hurt, well, so, hurt, hurt again? Yeah, he did. So uh, Minshew went 20 for 25, 242 yards, two touchdowns. Gardner can play. Yeah. So, But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting week here. WSU uh, legend. Yeah, he is. He really is. <laughs> yeah, he's but a legend gonna do Darren Pullman. Yeah, well, the, hey, he never beat the Huskies, so I can honestly take pride in some of that. And well, that's because the Huskies were good, but I mean, like, who, who beat them this year? Yeah, the, the Husky, the Huskies took a whooping this who's, year. I, and the Huskies, who's going to beat them probably again next year? I don't know about that one. I don't know if they're going to beat them next year. I don't. And think you have a lot of you have a lot of faith in the head coach they hired because I don't. Really, I don't know. I I kind of want to see how it goes. I want to see how it goes. Um, speak of that, I know you hate Oregon. Are you happy? You, were you happy to see Cristobal leaving Oregon? Oh, or now fuck, you were fuck everything that has to do with Oregon. You'd be really scared when Chip Kelly shows back up in Eugene. Oh my god, that's, that's a rea- that they've reached out to UCLA about talking to Kelly. Oh my god, I hope it doesn't happen. But, um, <laughs> the they have so, it's it's not a joke. Oh Jesus, I don't want it to happen, but uh. Real quick, oh man, I forgot. I actually forgot it was. Oh, uh, we got derailed here bad. <laughs> yeah, we really did. We did. But um, real quickly, I'm gonna be a New York FC, a New York City FC fan here. I think tomorrow, uh, because the Portland Timbers are hosting the MLS Cup in Portland. Oh, and fun, fun fact, fun fact about the MLS Cup is that this is now the seventh straight year that the Western Conference has been. Uh, represented by a Pacific Northwest team. It's been seven years of Sounders and Timbers. So then why would you say I'm going to be a New York FC fan? Be a Pacific really? Northwest fan. I mean, no, never. What? You know what? Yes, it's Northwest. Never. I will never, ever. That's like. Do you, do you cheer for the Portland Trailblazers? Hell no. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> closest thing i mean I, I i i can say that because like what the fuck's wrong with you we don't have the sonics to cheer for i mean who you cheer for the fucking zombie sonics in because they used to be the sonics hell no absolutely not i mean who the not. fuck do you cheer for they're the next best thing they're right down i5 they're your fucking I don't, neighbor i don't cheer for they any nba a cup team of sugar. fuck the, fuck the, the nba fuck the nba no fuck the nba until the sonics come back I'm Paul sorry. Allen, I Paul Allen saved football in the Pacific Northwest and loved his Blazers. Bought them at what 35 years old, and you're gonna say fuck the Blazers. They were beloved by Paul and his mom. Without Paul, there is no Seahawks in Seattle. You do know that, right? 
Yes, the least I you can do. do is show some allegiance and say, all right, you know what? <laughs> I'll say go Blazers until we get the fucking, until we get the Sonics back. Fine, whatever. I'll cheer for the stinking Blazers. Jesus. <laughs> but I, <laughs> no, hey, being a lifetime, being a lifetime Sounders fan, I cannot bring myself to cheer for the Portland Timbers. I just But you can't can because then when, when the Sounders beat them next year, you can rub it in their face even harder. Really? See, there you go. You, it's just it's just perspective. <laughs> it's perspective. It's uh, just how you look at things. Be like, yeah, well, you know what? Good for our neighbors down the road, but we're still going to kick your ass next year. So, cool. Yeah, Keep that much. cup tiny for us, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> See? It's perspective. Uh, well, that's going to do it for this Seahawks uh, the segment, my man. Is my friend. Huh? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> What are we doing? Bible verses now? That's not biblical. Oh, I thought it was biblical for a second. Well, anyway, that's going to do it for this Seahawks uh, segment here on Seattle Sports Diaries. The King of King 509 is going to be back next week. And uh, next week is actually going to be our last podcast of 2021. We will take a break during both Christmas Eve and day and also on New Year's Eve as well. So unless you all really want to see me, then I'll just come and do it. I'll just do it solo and I'll just sit here and fucking shoot bullshit. <laughs> All right, man. I'll see you, in a, <laughs> no, I'll see you next around. week, bro. <laughs> Later. All right. Uh, Nate is going to be joining us here in a second. And also Chris Henderson is going to be joining us uh, as well. By the way, for anybody wondering uh, who Chris Henderson is, he is a uh, media personality, sports gaming and sneakers uh, partner with got bars and with the dime to dollars company he is also host of the mo sports talk podcast um currently he's actually a really cool he's actually a really good gamer uh so that is uh one of the coolest things about him is that he does a lot of streams on twitch uh and uh, but he's but he's also a big Barry Bond supporter. He is a huge, huge, huge Barry Bond supporter of him trying to get into the Hall of Fame, which I've been kind of that person that is saying I don't want Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame just because of the steroids thing. But you never know what will happen. And honestly, look, here's the thing. If Barry Bonds gets into the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds gets into the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to really go ahead and say – you know, it sucks that Barry Bonds is in the Hall of Fame because, well, look, I, 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 look, do I think that he cheated? Yeah, I, I kind of do. I kind of believe that he did cheat, but why not let him be in the Hall of Fame? And uh, Nate is with us. What's going on, bro? What's up, bud? Bro, you kind of look like Big Doss TV, man. You kind of look like uh, <laughs> Dawson from Big Doss TV with them glasses and the beard. I'm not even lying. Oh, my bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's cool. Hang on a sec. I need to pull him up for you real quick. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was just talking. Uh, so here he is. So real quickly, I don't know if you can see. Or I'll, I'll send you the photo on uh, Twitter. But just talking about how the Hall of Fame is uh, getting decided here soon. Barry Bonds' his final year on the ballot. Uh, Roger Clemens' his final year on the ballot. Do you believe that Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I've believed that in a long time. I believe that for years. 
Yeah, I mean, I've I kind of have mixed feelings about it just because of that steroid era and because of all the uh, the things that have been going on with that. But you know, I I can't even deny like during two thousand and one when it, when he was hitting all those home runs, did, was I paying attention? Yep, he definitely got the he definitely got people paying attention to baseball back then a little bit more. But yeah. it was it was fun to watch that man hit home runs. I'm not even going to deny it, even if he did put a needle in his arm. Why not? Put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, we're going to have Chris Henderson here in a few minutes uh, to talk about that as well. But uh, not much to talk about baseball-wise, except for we're still in a lockout. Oh, there's that photo that you're seeing. <laughs> I guess. A little bit. A little bit like him. But, uh, yeah, we're still – we're now officially in the – what is it now? Second week of the lockout. Uh, yep. Day and- nine. Day nine, I think. Day nine, day nine. Uh, Mariners did sign a uh, Biff Tannen's son a couple days ago, but then they traded him to the Baltimore Orioles. I was really hoping to get him on the show, but I was really interested when I saw that. When I saw that little tidbit of how he was the son of the guy who played Biff Tannen in Back to the Future, and was again hoping to have him on the show, but still kind of want to have him on the show, but. Other than that, you know, nothing really to talk about Mariners wise, but we put a poll out saying uh, which team should we talk about? And uh, the poll came back as 2021. So, uh, 95 actually. One or yeah, the 2021 Mariners. Okay, yeah. But um, there was a there was something that was just posted earlier today on Instagram. Let me go ahead and pull it up of the uh, yeah, it was a uh, uh, Bleacher reports uh, budding stars to break prime to break out in 2022. Jared Kelnick is one of the 10 players on that list. And not going to lie. I believe that Jared Kelnick is definitely going to, I think what he did in September was actually a sign of things to come. Um, you know, I believe that Jared Kelnick does have all-star potential uh, for this upcoming 2022 season. I don't know if he is going to be an all-star, but you know, he's definitely poised for a breakout season here in 2022 with all the adjustments that he did make last year. Yeah, I would, I would say I would agree with that. Um, the way he broke out near the end of the season was something to definitely uh, keep a note of, and hopefully he carries that momentum over into the 22 season, if we have a 22 season. I think we will have a 2022 season. I, I, I don't think this, this is going to last uh probably past february hopefully yeah i mean that's what i project i project you know around the middle of january all this clears itself up so yeah yep. by the way by the way did you see what the uh, seattle sports series is giving away now uh uh other than podcasts uh i think a tv i think i saw yeah 65 inch tv nice yep. a lot of people are going to be entering that a lot of people are going to or someone one lucky fan and one lucky or one lucky person is going to be a very happy person next uh, here in two weeks on Christmas Day. But, uh, you know, this 2021 Mariners team, definitely a lot different than a lot of other Mariners teams that we've seen over the past. You know, we've seen this Mariners team uh, have really I want to say the 2018 Mariners team was the last team that I want to say before this team uh, to come close to the playoffs. But they showed signs that they were, you know, going to compete for uh, the wild card spot in the first half. And then all of a sudden in 2018, the second half for the Mariners, 
it was terrible. They could not find that cl those clutch hits anymore. They couldn't come up big, and they ended up, I think, falling, I think, seven or ten games back in the wild card. But, you know, this, this team definitely showed a lot of uh, potential and uh, excitement for 2022. I'm, and hopefully the fans are going to come out uh, for 2022. I hope I'm hoping to see multiple games with at least over 30,000 fans, if not 40,000 plus. Oh yeah. I think there'll be, you know, you got opening weekend and, and whatnot. I plan on going to the games when they're here in San Diego over the 4th of July weekend. So I'm pretty excited for that. So it's always, Oh, I bet a, man. There's always a lot of, uh, a lot of Mariners fans down here. So that, that is true. That is true. I know one of the greatest comebacks in baseball history happened down there in San Diego, a 10 run comeback with the Mariners. Uh, oh yeah. But uh, first month of the season, I'm actually attending 12 games. I will be attending six home games and six away games and all every single one of those away games are going to be in Florida because uh, they play the Rays for three games and then they go down to my, and then they go over to Mar Miami to face the Marlins for three games. So that'll be really fun to watch because um, all the stadiums that I've actually gone to and watched baseball. Uh, it, so the only other stadium that I've watched a major league baseball game uh, was chase field and the diamondbacks were playing the Mariners at the time. So it'll be kind of cool to still see the Mariners play uh, you know, in a different stadium, be the, be, the, be the away fan for, for, you know, six days. That That's something I've never really experienced as much as I kind of wanted to. It's the only way I experience games these days is away. So yep. yeah, I've been to, uh, well, when I was in the Navy, I was out in Chicago for boot camp in a little school. So they were out there in September of 2006. So I went and saw them out in at White Sox play at the, America or whatever it was back then. Um, I seen them in Boston at Fenway a couple Junes ago. Um, oh, that had to be special. Yeah, I went to two games in a row. It was a lot of fun. I went with uh, my buddy who was in the Navy with me. Uh, he he's from uh, Maine, so he came down and we got a hotel and watched the games together. He's a Red Sox fan, so that was kind of fun. We did two games in a row. Um, little mini reunion thing. It was fun. Another guy came up from Virginia and met us too. So that was a lot of fun. And then uh, I was out there for work. So I figured I'd just drive up from New Jersey to Boston. Um, let's see. I've seen them at Angel Stadium. I've seen them here at Petco. I've seen them at Dodger Stadium. Um, I think that's about it for Mariners games. But I've been to a bunch of other games just, just to speaking watch. Of the, so. Speaking of the Navy, man, uh, tomorrow, Army-Navy game. Go Navy. Or, wait a minute. What am I saying? Yep, no, yep, absolutely. Yep. No, nope, no, nope. Army. You, you said army. it. You, you said it. It's stuck. I just That's jinxed it. them. I just jinxed them. God damn it. Mm. I, I just, if Army loses tomorrow, it's because I jinxed them. Me being an Army brat and all. Jeez Louise. But long um, story short, I don't, I don't really pay attention to that game. Uh, I don't know. It's just <laughs> not my, I, I didn't go to, you know, the Naval Academy or anything. So it's not like, you know, yeah. I don't have a, so not my college. So the 2002 Hall of Fame ballot, let's go ahead and talk to some of these players that are on here. So the full list is Bobby Abreu, Barry Bonds, Mark Burley, Roger Clemens, Carl Crawford, Prince Fielder, Todd Hilton, Ryan Howard, Tim Hudson, Torrey Hunter, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Tim Lincecum, Justin Morneau, Joe Nathan, David Ortiz, Jonathan Papelbon, Jake Peavy, Andy Pettit, AJ Przinsky, Manny Ramirez, A-Rod, Scott Rowland, Jimmy Rollins, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa, Mark Teixeira, Omar Vizquel, and Billy Wagner. 
Um, and out of the 10 players, you know, if I'm, if I'm being a, a baseball writer, I'm, I want to go ahead and pick Mark Tish, or Omar Vizquel, Gary Sheffield, Rollins. I want to pick Ortiz, Lincecum, Andrew Jones, Torrey Hunter, Todd Helton. And I, I think that's nine. And here's the thing. If I'm going to, if I'm going to choose one of the steroid guys besides David Ortiz, let's go Barry Bonds. Okay. That's cool. Um, um I'm looking at the, him? I'm looking here. Um, there's 30 dudes on the roster, right? Is that, am I reading that right? 30, about 30. Um, let's see. So let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. There's 30 players on the hall of fame ballot. All right. So, um, I, I know Kurt Schilling doesn't want to vote, but I mean, let's see here. He's got, uh, man, I'm, I'm looking at, so baseball reference. I'm looking at the baseball reference page right now. They have just the hall of fame ballot. And then all the stats for all the hall of famers just kind of laid out. Um, so career wins above replacement is Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, a rod and Kurt Schilling. I mean, those are the top four right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's just amazing. Um, yeah. Now real quickly, I think this, I think this might actually be true, but I think Kurt Schilling's due to his like political stances or beliefs or whatever. I think that might be costing him maybe the hall of fame. Yeah. I mean, but I look at, I don't know. I've told you and I'll tell anyone out there. I really just, I, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I don't, I look at number, I'm a numbers guy. I look at the numbers and I look mm-hmm. at like, you know, how did they perform during their game of baseball, right? During their, during their playing time. And that's just kind of how I roll. Like that goes with all sports. I just look at, I look at the numbers. I don't really, I have Twitter. I don't really like go down the rabbit holes of like people's accounts or anything. I just see stuff and move on if I don't like it or, you know, it just, that's how I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to like just numbers alone, I mean, Kurt Schilling is, I mean, he has a career ERA of 3.46. It's nothing like amazing, you know, but uh, Billy Wagner is actually the one with the lowest ERA this time around. And Jonathan Papelbon, um, Billy Wagner is a 2.3. He went 47 and 40 in his career. Um, but I mean, Roger Clemens, I mean, he's what, 354 and 184 wins losses. I mean, he's a 350 game winner. I don't see why, you know, he shouldn't be on there, you know, or mm-hmm. in there. And Kurt Schilling has 216 career wins. Tim Hudson, 222 career wins. And Andy Pettit, 256. You know, I like Andy Pettit. I think he's a good candidate for a Hall of Fame. Um, he was, you know, I mean, I like all these pitchers, to be honest. I mean, I don't know if Tim Lincecum is Hall of Fame material. I hate saying that, but I just don't think he has the numbers there. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. a high, higher ERA, um, only 110 wins, um, 89 losses. <clears throat> It's just kind of, I mean, his name's out there. I don't, I don't think he gets in, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I like, you know, um, you know, let's see, is it saves who has saves here? You have uh, Joe Nathan at 377 career saves at a two, eight, seven ERA. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Um, Jonathan Papelbon has 368 saves and Billy Wagner has 422 saves. So all those guys, man, I mean, they're just, they're killing it, you know, in the save category. Now, uh, talking hall of fame 
uh, numbers. Like, do you think that uh, Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter should have been the first two guys to actually get a hundred percent of the votes? Because honestly, Derek Jeter was a good player, but I didn't think he deserved a hundred percent of the votes. I think the one guy that did, I know this is going to sound biased. I know it is, but I do really believe that the first guy that should have gotten all uh, of the votes, and I'm st- and I still wish that the, is Griffey, right? Yeah, and I st- and I wish that the three assholes who didn't vote for him would show their faces. That way, they can uh, accept a barrage of criticism. Well, again, they had their reasons. I don't know what those reasons are. They're obviously stupid, but mm-hmm. I mean, I can't. We can't change it, and just got to move on from it. He's in the Hall of Fame. He, you know, he's a devout Mariner supporter these days. Um, I mean, I, I don't see whatever. He's in the Hall of Fame. That's all that matters. So, mm-hmm. um, but unanimous or not, he's our guy. But I think Barry Bonds gets in this year. I think he's been punished 10 long years, you know, of not being elected. So I think this is his year. Kind of like Edgar. Um, not that Edgar had any, like, controversial you know stats going against him right but mm-hmm. i think it just it's kind of weird to say but i think there were just other players ahead of edgar that needed to get in and i think that's just kind of what happened when he got in finally so i think yeah. you know barry bonds is gonna not be in the same boat but i think <clears throat> i think he's gonna get elected this year i don't think sammy sosa is gonna get in ever though i think he's he's out no i so I do not. I don't believe that Sammy Sosa, Sammy Sosa will ever get in because, again, there there's way too much controversy behind it's his him. Last with, year. It's his last year. So yeah. there's if he but doesn't also, get in this year, yeah. But also the, the the steroids, the corked bats. I mean, there's, I mean, and people will say, you know, only one player in history has hit uh, sixty plus home runs in consecutive years, and that was Sammy Sosa. But again, Sosa was. I believe one of the biggest cheaters out there. I do believe that he was truly juicing. I, and of course he was using juice bats as well, because again, he, he, he got ejected multiple times for using cork bats. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I mean, the only thing I mean, to Sammy Sosa's name is 609 home runs. I mean, that's a lot. And you can say what you want about cork bats and uh, steroids, but on a human, on just a basic human level, right? Hitting mm-hmm. a ball out of the ballpark just doesn't happen to everybody. Like you just can't go out there yeah. and just time. Like I, I got, like I understand steroids make you strong, but I don't know if they necessarily make you see better and to throw your hands out and hit a ball dead square and hit it out of the yard. Right. I just don't, I just don't, if there's science to back that up, please prove it to me because I just, I don't buy like, yeah, they can be strong and, and swing hard and swing quick, but putting your eye on a 90 mile an hour plus fastball and teeing it up, you know, while you're standing up and only have a split second to swing that bat and hitting it square and, and a long ways is not an easy thing to do. I mean, I, I can't even do it to a ball that's sitting on a tee, not moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, no, I I believe that hitting the ball out of the ballpark is one of the hardest things to do. Um, I think know, hitting I, baseball is one of the hardest things to do, period. It really it, is. It really is. I mean, when I played baseball, I never hit the ball out of the ballpark ever once. I never hit a home run when I was in high school or playing summer ball. Never, ever got close. The closest I ever got to hitting a home run is when it dropped 
uh, is when the ball dropped, uh, I want to say about 250 feet down the right field line. That's it. Um, But other than that, you know. I didn't uh, get my first home run until I was playing adult league out here in San Diego. I mean, (laughs) honestly, I didn't. I've hit a I lot of triples and doubles, but I've never, never put one over a fence. And I played even at like in high school, we got to play at like a Vista stadium where the Spokane Indians play. And that was really cool and stuff, but it was hard to even get a ball like to the warning track out there as a high schooler. Yeah. Um, I actually did hit a home run uh, though in softball a couple of years ago when I was playing in Arizona, just because the uh, a, when it's nice and humid down there, that ball flies. That ball oh, yeah. will fly. But uh, other than that, you know, nothing else. No home runs. I can't. I can't brag being a power hitter. I right. cannot brag. Being only thing I could brag about is being a guy who could lay down a bunt. That was it. I was. I was that guy on the team that would lay down the bunt, no matter how far in the guys. I will even say this: there was a game where I actually had three bunt base hits because the and. After the first bunt base hit, the guy moved up a little bit. I took a couple pitches and didn't even show a bunt. He backed off, and I'm just like doink. Yep. Then third time he comes up, third time he came up, I saw him. He was about, I think he was about maybe, I want to say three or four steps into the grass, and he was going to try it. And the first baseman d- didn't move down. So what do I do? Doink, just put it right down the first baseline. <laughs> But other than that, you know, no home run hitter, but I guess going uh, down the list to answer your question, like who I would put in, uh, just based on looking at names and whatnot. mm -hmm. Um, uh, I put in Barry. Um, I don't know if I put a rod in, he's going to get in. I just don't put him in this year. Um, I put in David Ortiz this year. Absolutely. Um, I think Andrew Jones is due. Uh, Ryan Howard, mm-hmm. um, Tory Hunter, Todd Helton. Um, I think that's that's it for that. And then when it comes to um, pitching, I would probably put in. Um, I don't know. I already said like Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, but mm, Andy I Pettit. I would put Andy Pettit in, and I would probably put in. Um, God, who was that? Didn't you say Joe Namath? Joe, no, Nathan, not Namath. Or, what do you think? Uh, uh, Joe, Joe Nathan. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see here. Billy Wagner. Um, it's his seventh year. Four hundred twenty-two saves with a you know with an ERA of two point three. I mean, dude deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that four hundred plus saves alone is wild. So I would put him in, and Joe Nathan I'm sitting there with three seventy-seven. I'd put him in, but it's his first year. Um, I don't think he's going to get any vote. But I think he, I think he will get in. But it looks like right now that Kurt Schilling has seventy-one percent of the vote right now, so he might be going in, according to Baseball Reference. It updates every time someone votes. So, mm-hmm. and that's the best part about uh, Baseball Reference is uh, it uh, again it updates every now and then. But you know every vote every vote counts. And again, I think one of the more interesting votes was. Uh, was Edgar Martinez's final year on the ballot because all of us Mariner fans, we just kept counting and counting and looking at every ballot that was posted. And, you know, when it was, when I think Edgar had a 90% at the time, at the time at one point, and all of us Mariner fans were finally like, you know, Hey, he's finally going to get into the hall of fame. Mm-hmm. 
and he just barely gets into it. I think with seventy seven percent. Yep. I think yeah. So, so uh, also, I mean, I'm looking at this man. This just blows my mind. I'm looking at Barry Bonds, right? So he played. He was 14 games shy of 3,000 games, right? So oh, wow, he, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, he played 29-86. Um, he scored 22-27 runs. He got 2,935 hits, 762 home runs. He's four RBIs shy of 2,000. Dude had 514 stolen bases and 2,558 walks. See, that's just incredible. So, I mean, that, those, that, those that are really just, is just... I mean... I would. Uh, can we can we actually talk about that time where the Diamondbacks actually walked the bases loaded when yeah. Bonds was up just to get just to win a ball game? I, I I don't think that'll ever ever. I don't. I actually I will say this: if the bases are loaded and it's a three run deficit, and you have Mike Trout or Shohei Otani up, I think you do intentionally walk him in, walk those guys in. Nah, I would <laughs> I would probably walk. Uh, David Fletcher, or Jonah Heim, also. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, getting back to the Mariners, though, I mean, I'm looking forward to everything about this upcoming season because, again, the the Mariners have, I want to say, the brightest future of any team in the American League at this point. And uh, you know, with Robbie Ray boosting that uh, that starting rotation, you know, the Mariners are, the Mariners are one starter away from really being a possible hundred plus win team. I want to say, because I look at the Mariners right now and I still believe that at the, when the lockout ends, either Chris Bryant or Trevor story is going to be a Mariner. And I believe that this Mariners team has what it takes to not just get into the playoffs in 2022, but win a hundred plus games. I believe that the Mariners are possibly going to be, a 100 plus win team in 2022. It's possible. Um, anything, anything's possible, but they, uh, I mean, I was looking at their stats. I mean, they were hitting barely above 200 last year. That's not good. They got to bring that up a little bit. So then, you know, they're bat. And I think like what you said with Trevor story or, you know, even Carlos Correa or someone that can get uh, more uh, hits with runners in scoring position. Cause I don't know. I, I didn't dig too deep in the stats. Hard to do that live, but trying to find out like how many times they left runners in scoring position, you know, with two outs, one out, you know, is it's, it was rough last year. Yeah. And I mean, there were games where they left like, you know, a dozen runners stranded yeah, in scoring it, position. And it cost them game and it cost them those games. It cost them. I mean, all you need, all we needed was three more games to be in the playoffs. Right. And so mm -hmm. you can attribute it to that. I mean, there's games where, you know, we just didn't have the pitching. The pitching wasn't there. Like you say second half, we could we sh we should have been able to get three more quality games out of him and boom we're in the playoffs or i mean there's a lot of different things just timely hitting was one of them pitching was another one of them um i think the mariners were really good at like crunch time hitting like with Mitch you know against the A's and the Angels and stuff he was just like we were coming down to crunch time and then everyone started you know going off but i think just you know mid season and early in the season, timely hitting was just lacking. And mm -hmm. I mean, when I went to the Mariners game against the Padres last May, it was just like, I think the Padres scored like 50 runs. We scored like 12 or something. It was out, it was out of control. Right. I saw Chris flexing get worked out of like four innings. So it was, and he was one of our quality starters. He was our, he pitched 190 innings, I think this year. So, I mean, he was, he was our dude. Yeah, he was. I mean, 
now, now here's another big question. Can Chris Flexen do what he did last year? Because that's, a, that's a big question. I think a lot of Mariner fans are asking us. I mean, honestly, I believe that he can do what he did last year because again, it's, uh, I mean, it was special to watch him, and uh, we got our we got our guy. Uh, oh wait, nope, he's uh, his device is not connected. But uh, no, I mean, do you think that Chris Flexen can do what he did last year? I mean, yeah, but I wonder if other teams are going to figure him out. But um, again, I, I mean, I hope he goes out and repeats or gets better. I mean, that's what we need, and he's going to be. I think he'll be like the number two or number three. Uh, I'm still up in the air about Marco. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, out of all the pitching, out of all the starters that we do have, I believe Marco Gonzalez is the only guy that I kind of worry about. I don't have to worry about Logan Gilbert because I think he might have proved himself last year to be really that guy that even though that he does struggle with his pitch count, he can still give you five to six quality innings. Right. Um, um yeah, I think I think I picked Logan earlier a couple of weeks ago on one of your podcasts to be the either him or Justin Dunn to be kind of or no Justice. I picked Justice Sheffield to be the breakout guy next year. Yeah, you did. But um, I think you know if we can get him get him healthy and actually like out of a bullpen role into a starting role. But I mean, if if Justice can figure out a way to be successful wherever he's at on the field, like whether it's the bullpen or starting or wherever, I think you know that's what he needs to focus on. I mean, if he can be that long reliever, if one of the guys gets into trouble, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and right now there's, there's talks that you say Kikuchi might go to the Toronto blue Jays. And honestly, all I'm saying is take him because, uh, a lot of people were saying, you know, let's get Taiwan Walker. But, uh, the thing about Taiwan Walker is Taiwan Walker was, uh, uh, the Yusei Kikuchi of the Mets. I mean, he had a great first half last year, and then all of a sudden in the second half, uh, he just collapsed after being named as an all-star. Yeah. I mean, it'll happen. Uh, I wish Kikuchi nothing but success. I mean, he's he's a good dude, just a good, solid you know, individual, but um, I hope he figures out his game, and I hope he doesn't haunt the Mariners, but, you know, does well wherever he's at. I, I can't root against him unless he's blowing games for the Mariners. <laughs> pretty much man pretty much uh john forslin here going to be joining us uh joining me here soon to talk some crack and hockey uh really excited to have john this will be the second time that he will be on the podcast uh really excited to talk crack and hockey with him because again uh, the, even though that the that the kraken are last place in the pacific division this has been a such a fun team to watch i don't know how many games that you've caught so far this year man Sorry, I put myself on mute because I was typing. Um, for Kraken, I, I catch them when I can. Uh, I have ESPN Plus, so I can watch them on there. Um, the games are kind of late. I, I wake up at 4 in the morning, so I can catch like a period, <laughs> period and a half before I'm like, yeah, it's bedtime. So, um, so yeah. I mean, if they're on the East Coast, then yeah, I can I can catch a couple games. But that's uh, about – I mean, it's, it's exciting. I know from, from what I understand, there's someone hurt right now, right? That's just kind of costly. Uh, yeah, Blackwell, I believe, is uh, still on the COVID protocol list. Uh, that's been a big thing with uh, uh, with sports right now is that a lot of players are going into COVID protocols. And, uh, you know, and what kills me is that everybody keeps saying, you know, oh, let's cancel the season. Let's cancel the season. 
And it's just, here's the thing, you know, it doesn't matter if these players are vaccinated or unvaccinated, they're going to get COVID no matter what, but it's just, you don't need to cancel the season. It's if they, if they are tested positive for COVID, then just put them in COVID protocol. But another thing that is going on is that UW is going to have to, is having to forfeit their second straight game due to a COVID outbreak with the team. So that's not a real good look on them. Yeah, against Gonzaga, actually. I tweeted that mm-hmm. out earlier when that news broke. It's kind of caught me off guard. I know Zags hit a little snag in the road against Alabama and Duke. They're just trying to figure out. I mean, the way they worked UCLA just kind of – I was like, oh, man, this team's unstoppable. And then Duke came out, and they played a pretty crappy first half, and they came back and fought back. Same thing with Alabama. They fought back a little bit in the second half, but they just – there's something – they're not playing with urgency. I don't think so. I know they're going to work on that. They well, and think about it this way: it's better th- for them to lose now than in the tournament. Oh yeah, it really absolutely. Is. And I, I wish people would stop calling the Zags frauds. Look, I'm a UW fan, but I truly believe that um, that Gonzaga is really the team to beat in the tournament here. In, oh yeah, in in both March and April. Uh, Purdue I'll be going is- to the game here down here, and uh, I think was it. December 30th, they play in University of San Diego. So I'll be down here for that. So uh, I go every year uh, with a bunch of Zag fans that I know down here in the Alumni Association. So it's a lot of fun to go um, to go to those games. And they usually work um, They work USD pretty good. I think USD in their history has 14 wins against Gonzaga or something like that and like 70-something losses. It's wild. So <laughs> <laughs> it's usually just a – it's usually just a, a beat down. So um, – so, yeah, I usually try to catch those games, but I think the Zags, like you said, are going to be the team to beat in the tournament. They're they're very well um, rounded, especially if they're able to hit the outside shots from beyond the arc. I think they are, uh, once they get in a rhythm, um, they're tough to stop. And if you get Timmy going down in the paint, you, you, it's game impossible. over. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um... You know, last year I was I, I was talking with someone a couple days ago about this, but, you know, I was talking about this, but last year when the Zags played UCLA in the Final Four and I watched that game, you know, it came down to that last shot, but it was just, um, uh, he, uh, you know, the, the Zags just looked exhausted last year in the Final Four. And it, yeah. and it was definitely, and I definitely, when you saw that game against UCLA, Here's the thing. UCLA is a good team. They proved that last year in the tournament. This that, That's why they're ranked so high right now. But, you know, I think after the Elite Eight and then the Final Four, and then I, I just think that national championship was just too much for uh, for, for for Gonzaga. Yeah, Baylor, Baylor came out fast, and they are – those are like manly men. So they are big <laughs> boys down there, and they were, they were just – they were working it from the outside, the inside, and in a – and I love Corey Kispert, but he just he wet the bed pretty hard during the last couple of games of the tournament. Couldn't hit his shots. Defense the defense was poor. Slow to slow to guard. It was just a lot of things that just kind of added up to just a brutal loss against Baylor. But um, yeah, those are the things that kind of those. He was definitely. I'm sorry. The team was definitely exhausted by the end of that tournament for sure. I think that's kind of what happened. I think we're waiting on someone still. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, getting ready. Uh, John Forslund is uh, going to be coming in here in a couple minutes. So uh, uh, if you want to stick around, you are more than happy to stick around. Talk to John with me. 
Uh, Chris uh, is going to be after him. We're going to talk a little again. We'll talk the same what we were just discussing about the Hall of Fame. Uh, one player on the Hall of Fame ballot that I'm actually concerned about that I don't think may make it into the Hall of Fame is Prince Fielder. Uh, Fielder's, yeah. Fielder's career, unfortunately, got cut short due to neck injuries. Um, and I will say this. He was one of the more electrifying players that I did that I watched play. He was, I mean, first of all, for his size, he could run. That was just amazing to watch him run. And I, and I think he has, he has three inside the park home runs. <laughs> and I, uh, one of my favorites, one of my favorite ones that he hit came at the Metrodome where he, uh, uh, he was he was running so fast that no one could stop him, or they were afraid to just get in front of him. Right. But he ran all the way into the Brewers dugout. <laughs> it was a uh, it was fun to watch Prince Fielder play, but I don't I just don't think that Prince Fielder uh, really has a chance to get into the Hall of Fame just because of uh, his well, career being cut short. Let's take a look here. He had a twelve year career. He had a twenty three point eight WAR. Uh, he played sixteen hundred eleven games. Uh, scored 862 runs, got 1,645 hits, 319 home runs, and uh, 1,028 RBIs with 18, 18 stolen bases. Wow. All right. With a two, yeah, he was like I said, for, for a guy his size, he was fast. With a 283 average, you know, and his uh, OPS was 887. So, I mean, he has, I mean, he's got numbers on his side for only 12 years, which mm-hmm. is which is wild. Um, the only other players that, uh, let's see, Mark Teixeira looks like he had a 14 year career mm-hmm. and Tim, Tim Linscombe had a 10 year career. Yeah. Um, but I mean, um, pitchers, pitchers usually last a little bit, you know, they're not as, yeah. 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 So, uh, to introduce our guest, John Forslund joining us here live on the broadcast, John. Welcome back, man. This is your second time on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. Yeah, I'm a KG veteran, right? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. So I think that goes without saying anyway, so we're okay. Definitely. So here's the first question I have to ask you. Just how much fun are you having with this first year? How much fun are you having with this first year with the Kraken? Well, I'm having a lot of fun, and it's on a lot of different fronts. Uh, number one, the fans have been great to me. I appreciate it. Uh, Hopefully we continue to uh, earn their trust along the way here, Uh, get better and better each time out in terms of what we're delivering on the telecast. But uh, most importantly, I'm enjoying being back with the team. I I really miss that. I've said that on uh, numerous other interviews that I've done. I didn't realize how much I missed being with a team until I was gone. Uh, I had to work independently with NBC last year. So that's been terrific. And uh, the last thing is uh, JT Brown. Like, I really enjoy our chemistry together. Um, He's done a a really great job in a short period of time getting used to this new role. Um, I'm energized by working with him. He's a great person. And uh, I just hope we continue to develop and uh, continue to grow each step along the way. Definitely. I I love JT. Uh, One of my favorite, one of my all time favorites uh, on the ice. I would love to have him on the show one of these days, but uh, let's talk about that first ever home hockey game at the, at climate pledge arena. The, 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 the crowd was energetic. It was going crazy. It may have been a loss, but let's talk about that first goal that was scored at climate pledge arena. Vince Dunn. I mean, 
when he mm-hmm. scored that goal, it felt like goosebumps erupted everywhere, no matter who you were. I mean, take us through that first goal because I'm, I did, did you call that game by the way? No, we didn't. Uh, that's the only thing that was unfortunate from a selfish standpoint. Um, it was amazing to sit there and watch it. Uh, the crowd reaction was similar to uh, a game seven playoff situation. The, the roof literally came off the building. Um, it was a terrific hockey game. It was another one of those games that the Kraken were in a position to win. It's unfortunate they didn't win that game. I think if they had won that game, that would have been out of the way. Uh, they wouldn't have to keep reaching for another first. They could have knocked that off and gone on from there. Um, but they played well in that game. And just uh, that was the first time I'd been in the building since July. Uh, when I came here for the expansion draft, I got a tour of the facility. Obviously, it wasn't even close to being finished at the time. So you could only kind of develop what you thought the building would look like in your mind's eye until you got in there. And once we got in there that night, we were able to sit down and watch it and watch the crowd and watch the crowd continue to um, forge their own identity, which is an ongoing thing here. It's been great to see. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been amazing to watch uh, the team play. Uh, it's been amazing just to, you know, experience the NHL for the first time in Seattle uh, yeah. for so long. I mean, again, the, I thought it was hilarious that uh, the, the, the Kraken released a, a, a 1917 Stanley Cup champion banner the night that we played against the, the Canadians. And I think that was also the first win in, uh, there at home for the Kraken. I mean, that had to be even more special. Yeah, and we called that one, right? So that was very special. I'm glad uh, that you it, were able to call the first ever I, win at home. <laughs> Thank you. I, I didn't realize we had such a winning tradition here. We got to reach back and get a little bit more of it, right? <laughs> so wherever, yeah. that, wherever that winning tradition is, uh, please show up tomorrow night. Uh, that would be great. But it was, um, you know, each step has been remarkable. Uh, and that's what I like about this gig is the fact that, you know, I get to mark time. The first two shorthanded goals occurred in the same game. Uh, that was something else. Uh, everything has been, you know, kind of good, even to this point where now we're really worried about how the team's playing game to game. And we kind of get all the flossy stuff out of the way. And now we're getting into the crux of what the team is all about, how it can improve and, and where we go from here. Yeah. One guy that I want to talk to you about is it's been really the star player for this Kraken team. You know, a lot of people thought it would be Yanni Gord. Some people thought it would be Brandon Tanev with how he was scoring. Some people thought it might have been Vince Dunn, but Jordan Eberly has taken yeah. off. I mean, he I mean, he was he made history scoring the first ever Kraken uh, hat trick ever in franchise history. That was mm-hmm. so special to watch. I know you were on the call that night, so it was even more special. For, had to be more special for you. But, yeah. uh, I mean, talk about Jordan Everly. How much fun is it to watch him go in and out every night on the ice? Well, that's it. You know, use the phrase in and out. That's how he plays, right? He's really good in tight areas of the ice. He has tremendous hands. He's able to create plays for his teammates as well as finish scoring plays. Uh, they need it. His 12 goals are, are really needed on this team. I'm not surprised. I've, I've watched him enough, and I've watched him enough in the playoffs. I, I've had the Islanders, for whatever reason, the last three years in the playoffs quite a bit. And he's always in and around everything to the good offensively. The knock against him early in his career, 
comes in as a first round pick, scores a big, huge world junior goal. You know, they had superstar status all over this guy in Edmonton. He had to get moved, he had to find his slot. And now that he's here, hopefully this is the last landing spot for him. He's not only as terrific on the ice, he's a great leader too. He's a quiet leader. And I've been able to watch that, you know, and, and watch him go about his business, how he handles himself as a pro. So um, he has a letter on his sweater for a reason, real good guy, uh, and hopefully a real great Kraken for a long time to come. Definitely. Um, this is a big question that I wanted to ask you. So the first time that you ever got into Climate Pledge Arena, I mean, what was your initial reaction just seeing this amazing arena because I, I experienced my first NHL game uh, against the, with the Kraken and the Ducks because, and I, and I, that I'll, I'll get into that in a bit, but I want your reaction. What I mean, just walking into that arena, what was it like? Well, there's, there's, there's two things. The number one, the pitch of the seats. Uh, it was remarkable to see how they designed the seats so that no matter where you sit, you have a really good view of the rink. That's important. Number two, how close the fans are to the action. That's important. Um, the acoustics in the building are great so that the game presentation can be what it is and the fan noise can be what it is. When we get to that place where we're in the playoffs, it's going to be off the charts. It's going to be really something. The other thing is the beauty of the building. I like the, I like the color scheme. I think the color scheme fits this area, fits the identity of, of the Kraken fan base in Seattle. And I love the windows in one of the end zones where it looks out at the park, looks out at Seattle Center. People can look in, be voyeurs of the game. Uh, I hope that never goes away. So I, I really like all of that. And, of course, selfishly, we have one of the best broadcast locations in the NHL. We're right on top of the rink. So even I don't miss anything. That's good. Definitely. So, uh, oh, sorry, I, I accidentally muted you for a second. What did you say? I said I'm getting old, you know. <laughs> I think we can all start to say that, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, so my initial reaction when I walked into this arena, again, my first ever NHL game, I always told myself, uh, when the Kraken came, I told myself my first NHL game needs to either be a ducks or a Kraken game. My first game ever, who did the Kraken play, but the Anaheim ducks, it was so special to, to get into that building. I watched the seven, four loss, unfortunately, but I, I mean, I, I had a blast no matter what, because, um, you know, it was, I, I mean, I got a little emotional almost, uh, through, uh, even before the puck even dropped, because again, I was experiencing this for the first time. You know, I, I love the, I loved every second that I was in that arena. I look forward to getting back to that arena because I want to go see more cracking games. I hope the ticket prices kind of go down here, uh, soon, but I, but I understand why they're so high, but I mean, it, I understand now of just what a joy it is to get into an NHL arena and enjoy the game of hockey. Well, you know, that's the other thing. That was a 7-4 game, right? That mm -hmm. that game against Anaheim. And then there's the Colorado game. That was a 7-3 loss. Mm -hmm. And then there was the Pittsburgh game as a 6-1 loss. And all three of those games were disasters, right? Um, <laughs> but, but the big but here is the way the fans hung around and stayed mm -hmm. in the building and continued to be entertained. And even last night, we had some great visuals of the fans as we were going down the stretch in the third period. Uh, the Kraken played way better than they did Monday night. 
still wasn't enough to beat a goalie like Hellebuck. They still didn't do enough to be more sound defensively than they've shown. Um, they've got a lot of improvement, in my opinion, to go in, in that direction. But you saw people dancing in the aisles in the third period, um, all decked out and cracking gear. Um, some people go into these huge extremes uh, in terms of their costumes and how they dress up to come to the games. It's great. And, and that's, I hope that never goes away. I'm new to this area, but I don't think it is going to go away because of what I know about the fans here and this market. And so I watched uh, the Seahawks. I had some friends who were in town for the Edmonton game on Friday night, and then they went to see the Seahawks on Sunday. And obviously the Seahawks are such a long shot to go anywhere, right? And probably done. Mm -hmm. But it was a terrific football game against the 49ers. And the crowd is the crowd. The 12s are the 12s. And it just doesn't go away. And for me, that's really important. I hope we never lose that here. Um, this team is going to go through a process. I think a lot of people are hoping it would come sooner than later. It appears it's going to be later. Um, but this is the National Hockey League. This is an important part of the fabric here. And, and support is vital for the players. And I know they feel it. I've talked to the players. Uh, they love the fans. They, 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 they're taking notice of this every game. They wish they could do better. They will do better. It's just a situation right now where I think our fan identity is starting to really come about. Mm -hmm. Hey, John, uh, this is Nate here. Um, I do a lot of baseball stuff, but I've been following the Kraken a little bit. A really exciting season, and uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. So I had a question. So you just mentioned you went to that Seahawks game on uh, Sunday against the 49ers. Do you get uh, do you get kind of that same energy? I haven't been to Climate Pledge. I'm down in San Diego, actually, so I go to a lot of goals games. But is that energy carrying over from, like, the Seahawks games and Mariners games, Sounders games into, into yeah. the Climate Pledge? Do you feel that? Yeah, I think so. I think, Nate, the only thing we're seeing now is um, I think the people are a little bit stunned. You know, like when Winnipeg scored first after getting hammered Monday night, I think they expected the Kraken to come out flying, which they had a couple of really good shifts. They turned the puck over, blown coverage, it's in the net. And then there was kind of like this collective sigh and this lapse in energy, which is natural. Because, again, I think – People were expecting more and should have expected more, but it hasn't been there. But I will say this. I think we have a terrific energy in the building, and uh, that will continue to grow. I've seemed to notice watching the games that the energy, especially at home, doesn't um, fizzle out if the Kraken nope. end up scoring the first goal. It seems like that energy like hits a peak, and then it just keeps riding that wave until you know the end of the game and i noticed like what you were saying is if if uh, the um, opposing team comes in scores first then it's kind of like a little flat until the crack can yeah. get the lead and then it like it's it's loud again so yeah, i was just saying if you know how the energy was compared to like the uh, seahawks game and everything like that so yeah and i think when people get more used to the sport they're going to understand their role as fans they're, they're going to understand that if you get behind by one or two you know it's time to amp it up even more and you right. can tilt the game. You you can you can tilt a hockey game around like that. I think it's harder to tilt a football game around. Um, you don't have the swings and momentum in football as quickly. You do territorially, and as the game marches on, or maybe it's a pick six or something like that. Something like that can swing the game. But in hockey, a couple of shifts, a great penalty kill, a big save, you know, those things. All of a sudden, the game's turned around and the crowd goes nuts and the team starts to feed off the energy and great things can happen. 
that'll be a work in progress. I, I witnessed it in Raleigh. I saw what happened there. I saw us go from nowhere to somewhere um, just based on people getting used to the sport and how it's played and how quickly energy can shift from one team to the, to the next. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, John, a couple more questions here before we get you out of here. Uh, first of all, thank you. Thanks again for coming back on the podcast. Uh, dude, I, I mean, I look forward to having you back on here uh, probably here in a couple months. Uh, talk more crack and hawking with you. But uh, uh, so here's a big question. So I, I don't know if you're a big Netflix person. Not really, but go ahead. Okay. Okay, so there's a there is a documentary out there called Untold Crime and Punishment about a hockey team called the Danbury Trashers. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm okay. So you have heard of them, mm -hmm. um, but it, uh, AJ Galante here is going to be coming on the podcast here soon. But I mean, just this. Do you know the story and the background of the Danbury Trashers? I don't know much of it. I mean, I I, I lived it right. So I'm I'm from that area of the country. Um, I've been to Danbury a lot, uh, driven through it and so on. Um, and I'm aware of the hockey community in new England. So I am, I am aware of it. I I'm in, I'm unfamiliar with the documentary. I haven't seen much of it. Definitely got to get, give it a quick look. So last question here before we get you out of here, uh, or actually, uh, so, uh, he, uh, Nate's got a question though, uh, from two of the fellow sports writers. So I'll go ahead and let Nate talk real quick and then I'll, uh, ans ask you my final question. Uh, Hey, so I write a little bit for Cascadia sports network up there. It's a small little site up there, but, um, question. So one of the guys is asking, um, do you think a team will ever return to Hartford? I don't think so. I, I'd love to see it happen. It, it saddens me. Um, what happened there? I just think it's it's too wedged in between Boston and New York and the market and the the potential for big, big revenue outside of ticket sales doesn't really exist. Um, they need a brand new building. Who's going to do that? Um, you could trick up the old Coliseum as much as you want the Civic Center. It just isn't it just isn't going to work. Um, it's too antiquated. Um, so we're seeing in the NHL now buildings that went up in the late 90s have to be refurbished by now. You either need a new rink or you need to really uh, get after it in terms of an overhaul. That would be hard. I, I think the Rangers have extended their footprint. The Bruins always had the footprint. Um, it would be very difficult. But they're terrific hockey fans there. It is a hockey area, great youth hockey, great sports fans. It's really unfortunate that we couldn't make it work in Hartford. Um, and I was there for the end of it and saw right. the demise and the move and all of that. And things worked out in North Carolina, but it didn't have to go there. And then uh, one more. Uh, you can totally punt this question if you don't feel like answering it. But what is your honest assessment of the Kraken uh, goaltending situation? Honestly, it's easy to say it could be better and it should be better. Um but I will say this, I think Drigger's injury has a lot to do with Grubauer being overly taxed. Right. I think if Chris Drigger were healthy, he would have way more starts than obviously has now. But, but Grubauer would be given more breaths along the way. Uh, I think that uh, compounded with their um, lack of defensive recognition, their failure to protect the puck and manage the puck in specific games – has bit them you know where. Mm -hmm. And I think Grubauer has had to play too much, and it's gotten to him. 
And I think it was unfair uh, during that six-game skid when it was kind of really pointed in his direction. Um, I didn't like any, a lot of that criticism. Some of it came from the coach. I was I was puzzled by it because uh, I, I thought, to be fair, you have to always connect the dots before you get to the goalie. And you look at the first goal that was scored last night. Why does it happen? Well, it's a reversal by Borgen. It's a turnover by Susie. It's a great pass by Stastny. And the guy is all alone in the slot with no one around him. He has time to set it fire it and score. People right. would say, well, gee, Grubauer should have stopped it. I don't think he should have. It was a pretty good shot. But there were soft goals that that, that Gruby's allowed here. Um, and, and those soft goals, I think, are a result of him being overburdened. I'm going to leave it at, at that because right. I believe he's an excellent goalie. And I just think he's a product of the environment. And I think uh, hopefully Drieger gets healthy. I would entertain starting Decord tomorrow night. I don't know if they will, but with Columbus flying all the way across the country and they were really struggling on the road and you've got two divisional games next week with Anna, uh, San Jose and Anaheim, I might want to play Grubauer back-to-back -back in those two to win the divisional games and give Decord the start and give Gruby a breather tomorrow night. I don't know if they're going that way. I don't know till the warm-up starts based on the information we get. But I think it's interesting because Joey Decord's done a decent job. And yeah. he, he's earned an opportunity to start an NHL game at home and see what he can do with it. Let's see what happens. Should be interesting tomorrow. I appreciate, the, I appreciate the insight on that because I'm a hockey novice, I guess, as you could could call it uh come to i went to a couple of spokane chiefs games you know things like that as a kid never really got into it but i did watch you know uh grubauer play i believe in washington and he was unstoppable there so i know he has well, it in him yeah and he was great with colorado and colorado and, yeah and, and and if you look at the pittsburgh game three goals on four shots five minutes and seven seconds you look at that stat line you say what an what a disaster I mean, well, what happened here? Well, when you look at the three plays, maybe the first goal by Carter, his stick is kind of turned in an awkward way. Maybe he would like to play it differently. It was a turnover. The scoring play never should have happened. You look at the other two goals, the Crosby goal, the Gensel mm -hmm. shot, the Crosby goal. Gensel gets the puck in a position where he can shoot because of, again, a turnover. Same thing on Danton Heinen's goal. It's blown coverage. You know, when you allow NHL players all of that room – to get free, settle the puck and shoot. If they've got a clean look, they're going to do it. And if you look at last night's game, he made a lot of great saves. It could have been way worse than it was. So um, it's an issue, but it's not the prime issue for me. I, okay. I think they could be a lot cleaner defensively than they've shown. I'm surprised hey. by that. I, hey, I appreciate you answering the questions. Uh, mm -hmm. Just I'm new to it, and a couple of my guys were wondering that, and I just uh, really thank you for that. No problem. Definitely. All right, last question before we get you out of here, John. But real quickly, John, again, I want to thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Again, love your insight to the Seattle Kraken. Love the, that we have a correspondent with the Seattle Kraken coming on this show every now and then. Um, and I'm really happy that you're enjoying your first year here with the Seattle Kraken. So here's, a, here's kind of a weird, weird little question, but I hope you answer it correctly. So with Christmas coming up, die hard, Christmas movie or not. <laughs> Christmas what? I'm sorry? Uh, die Hard. Is it a Christmas movie or is it not? Oh, Die Hard. Um, no. Oh. <laughs> you think it's a Christmas movie? I, I don't think, think so. it's a Christmas well, I think so. <laughs> all right. I guess, well, I'm too, I guess I'm too sentimental about Christmas. <laughs> 
Oh well, yeah, and I don't think a lot of us uh, it, imagine Christmas being a bloody uh, bloody massacre. But it's a uh, great movie. It's a oh, it's yeah, one 100%. of my favorites. It's a great movie. I just 100%. I wouldn't I would I would separate the holiday from from that. All right. Well, John, hey, thank you so much for joining us tonight again. Uh, hope to get you on here within uh, here in a couple months to talk about you know uh, the season coming down to the last couple months. But uh, again, thank you so much for coming back on, man, and I look forward to talking with you again. Yeah, thank you, guys. Don't be strangers. I can do it in a month too, very easily. So um, thanks. Just just reach out. We'll do it again. Okay. Thanks a lot, John. Right, nice meeting you, John. Thanks. Merry Good Christmas, John. Yeah. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Going, happy man. New Year. John Forslund, everybody, and now joining us live here on the show, Chris Henderson. What's going on, bro? Hey, man, what's good, y'all, man? Glad to be on. Can y'all hear me? I want to make sure oh, y'all can I, hear me. I can hear, I can uh, hear you perfectly. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So, uh, Chris, got a quick question for you, man. So, with sure. John here on the show, I got my Kraken jersey on. Mm-hmm. Got my old Mariners hat, by the way. But uh, you, you ever – you getting into hockey, man? Oh, yeah, man. Look, man, so the funny thing is this, man. My first actual – well, so I did go to the Super Bowl – when the Cowboys won in Tempe, I was 10 years old when that happened. So I got experienced that, but I also got experience back in um, 98, 99 when the stars actually played Buffalo and they won, oh, there you know, go. they won the Stanley cup finals. I didn't go to the, obviously the final game. Cause then we stayed up to like two o'clock in the morning for that one. You know, Brett <laughs> Hall, you know, Brett Hall kicked the puck in, but um, yeah. you, know, you, you know, one of my favorite players um, that I had a chance to meet growing up as a kid, he wasn't on that championship team was Russ Cardinal. Um, I was a huge like I love video games, right? So as a huge NHL fan, um, you know, Day Gagne, you got Darren Hatcher, Craig Lowe. I can go down a list of players on that team that I just looked up to and got a chance to meet Mike Madonna was like the greatest thing ever, right? I mean, you're talking about Mr. Star. If you don't name Darren Hatcher, you know, Mike Madonna is the man. Um, but yeah, I love hockey, man. You know, my stars right now sitting at 13 and nine. You know, we we gonna get it together, man. Last year was unfortunate. Um, I hate the fan base out here a little bit because you know, it's such a heavy cowboy sound. And then mm. the Mavericks having a guy like Luca, you know, Star sort of took like the the ultimate backseat. And like I said, man, I'm excited for Seattle to actually have a hockey. I hope they get a basketball team too, man. So I'm excited. Um, that's that's a big question that I forgot to ask John, but uh th- there was a, a basketball game not just recently with uh, Nate's uh, college team with uh, Gonzaga yeah. in Alabama. And there's a photo here. I want to I want to send you this photo real quickly, but okay. Uh, because if I can pull it up, there we go. So this is exactly the photo. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, tweet this to you. So um, the NBA cannot keep denying. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cannot keep denying. Uh, I just sent it to you over Twitter, but they cannot keep denying Seattle a, t- a team, especially with how that arena looks. Look, I get that, you know, I will say this. I've had my animosity towards the NBA mm-hmm. ever since 2008 because uh, my Sonics were stolen from me. My childhood was ripped apart. 40 yeah. years of sports history was taken away from the yeah. city of Seattle. And for for years and years now, <laughs> yeah, and there's Nate getting with the hydration right there with the cords. There you but, go. But for years and years, oh, he's got Samuel Adams. Okay, still. But for years and years now, the NBA has just denied Seattle of a team. Mm-hmm. And now with the Kraken being able to show off this beautiful, beautiful arena. Yes. Who, real quickly, I'm not a fan of the name Climate Pledge Arena. I still call it the Crack House. But I like that. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I think that's funny. That's, I like that. Hey, we, we nah. get every... 
All, I don't like not, it. Not going to lie. That was exactly what Kraken fans were going to call it no matter what. Not and, PR friendly. It's not PR friendly, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of fits with Seattle with how bad our drug problem is in there. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, can the NBA – I don't think the NBA can deny Seattle no longer because I think an NBA team is possibly a year or three away from coming back to Seattle. Man, it, you know, Seattle has a big basketball culture. Um, I'm really good friends with Jamal Crawford, who's a native, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I know Brandon Roy, Spencer Haas, the list goes down. You know, you're talking about Nate Robinson. There's mm-hmm. so many NBA players that I know that when you talk about Seattle, Zach Levine, when you talk about Seattle basketball, just like the impact that it brings. And, you know, just as a person who's been covering the NBA now for, like, I would say, 11 years now, um, it, it, it's unfortunate um, because you – you still got to bring up those conversations. Um, and you like, how could you not tell the NBA history or basketball history without mentioning the Sonic, especially the team that won with Dennis Johnson? Um, you know, and then you go into the the later years with the with GP and, and Sean Kemp. Um, you know, I got a couple of friends that played on those teams, like David Wingate, you know, Hersey Hawkins, the list goes on. And I just think that the NBA needs to do right by that. Um not only just because I think they got some of the coolest uniforms, especially the throwbacks with the green and yellow, but I just think at the end of the day, Seattle's a good sports town. I know there's some, there's this thing out there that, hey, man, whatever, they don't do this, but I just think it's great, especially for basketball. You know, I think the NBA is going to do right. Um, I think it's between them and Vegas, personally, that will be the next big basketball next destination. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, st- I'm actually, personally, I'm mad at Clay Bennett for what he did. To bring that team to Oklahoma City, I mean, I'm, I'm a, obviously in Dallas, but I, I never liked that. Um, I understand the cash pool in that. Um, that's the only pro sports team there because the only thing they can root for is the Sooners, right? But at the end of the day, Seattle is the, it's part of basketball culture, man, um, and I think it should be rewarded. I think the fan base has been dying a long time and been wanting this. I think NBA fans want this. We want to see the Seattle Supersonics. Um, to come back. Um, those records are there, man. Like they've had some great players in their history, and it's sad that you know kids in this generation won't be able to know anything about it. And you got to explain them well, that team actually had to go move to Oklahoma City. You know, I took I, you know I took my nephew one time to Oklahoma City. He couldn't believe that they actually had a pro team there, and that, and, and that just tells <laughs> everything that you got to know. But like at the end of the day, man, when you got ambassadors there like Jamal Crawford, who I think is probably the biggest ambassador of Seattle basketball, he. He's really been putting it in people's ears. For years, I've interviewed him and, you know, Kevin Durant, who I'm really good with as well. Kevin Durant would talk about Seattle, what it meant, and, you know, he talks about how Seattle deserves a basketball team. I think these NBA players, man, wouldn't be shocked if it's not in the next coming years down the road where these NBA players come together and they can put their money together and actually get a team to come along in Seattle. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate, you got anything for Chris real quick? Uh, no, I was going to say, uh, I was put in the chat comments there. I think Oklahoma could have used a football team before they got a basketball team since yeah. everything revolves around football in those Southern States. I mean, my grandparents are from Oklahoma. They, I've okay. been down there many times. Colleagues are from Oklahoma. All they talk is football boomer sooner and all that other, you know, weird stuff that yeah. comes out of their mouth. But <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's all about football in the South. And I figured like Oklahoma city would get a football team before they ever got a basketball team or a baseball team or anything like that. Indeed. So, so yeah, I'm on, I'm on the same page as you with you know kind of weird that Oklahoma City's first pro team is a basketball team, but I mean they seem to like them down there, which is you know people like what they steal sometimes. So I mean that's that. 
Well, the thing, well, the thing that's funny is this: I tell people all the time that's their that's their entertainment on the weekend. You know, when you want to go out, you take a girl on a on a nice date. That's where you go. You go to the Thunder game because ain't nothing else to do down there. It's kind of like Portland and the Blazers because that's the only thing they got up there too, right? <laughs> well, they, yeah, yeah. I think they got the Nike factory, so people oh, yeah. like to go out there to Nike. So I think that's well, they also, like there. Yeah. Well, they also have the Timbers down uh, down there, and they're playing in the MLS Cup, and that is true. Uh, uh, fun if, fun fact for you, Chris, real quickly. I don't know how big you are in soccer, by the way. I am not. I try. Look, man. I look. I I learned. I learned the hard way. I went to a um, I went to a um Irish pub about a few years ago. Right. This is COVID, <laughs> and I made the brutal mistake of um walking in in a in a certain color of a certain team that the pub wasn't agreeing upon. They probably thought I was Ooh. a fan, and man, I had the looks of like fear, but the passion behind it, man, you know, they're great athletes and stuff like that. Like yeah. I got a, one of my, one of my closest friends, he, if you don't talk about Manchester United, if you don't talk about them and he ain't going to have a conversation with you. So I'm learning, I'm learning. So, yeah, uh, I'm learning. so, so fun fact about the uh, major league soccer championship, the MLS cup is that for seven, now seven straight years, the Western conference champion is from the Pacific Northwest. It has been wow. seven years of either Seattle or Portland. Uh, Seattle though has uh, of course uh, been to four. I actually got to go. I actually got to go to the 2019 MLS Cup, and here's the thing. So only only one championship has been won in the state of Seattle, uh, and it here's the thing. The Sonics were the the Sonics were the team to win an NBA title. Uh, the the Seattle Seahawks, of course, a couple of years ago, we won, we got to the Super Bowl, we won it. But never in Seattle's history has there been an event like the MLS Cup because we got to see an actual Seattle championship be won at home. And that's a a big topic that I kind of want to talk to you about now because especially with this baseball lockout because, you know, the Mariners are on the rise. They are on the rise in the American League West. I know you're – You've been covering with the Rangers, and I know you had to watch a lot of. The, you had to watch the Mariners kick kick some tail on this out there. Man, <laughs> brutal, but, I'm a little worried. Yeah, but they got Jonah Heim, and he's a Mariner killer. Yeah, he yeah. likes to get a couple of like little little walk off homers on y'all, but that ain't that ain't gonna help. They ain't gonna help the cause. Yeah. So the thing about it is, is that the Mariners are possibly going to be World Series contenders here within yes. the next couple of years. And the possibility of winning a World Series in Seattle in October or November, it's an incredible thought. I mean, right now, the, the, uh, uh, Bleacher Report put out uh, one of the 10 top players to have a breakout season uh, rookie-wise uh, for 2020. Jared Kelnick is one of them. Yeah. You interviewed Jared. Yeah. I'm su- I'm severely jealous that you got to interview him because I if – uh, my former co-host uh, used to ru- also run the account, the Seattle Sports Diaries account, made some negative tweets about him, and Jared saw them and block, hit the block oh, button on us. So <laughs> we got to fix that. We got to fix that. Oh, yeah, we definitely got to fix it. But I mean, take us, talk to us about Jared because he had to be such, such a really great guy to interview. Uh, I know I, I got to see him play in Tacoma mm-hmm. in his first couple games, and. I thought it was hilarious because I got to listen to kind of like the dugout banter. And I'm just saying, like, I come from a military family, natives, uh, uh, Navy. Mm-hmm. I never heard kids cuss that much. <laughs> yeah, passionate. <laughs> nah, 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 man, but you know what, Jared? Um, Jared's a good guy. Um, yeah. Actually, I've had 
previous conversation with Jared Pryor to me interviewing him. Um, he's, you know, the thing about Jared, he's very passionate about baseball. He wants mm -hmm. to win. Um, I think a lot of people confuse that sometime on the field. Um, he's we very. We did see that this past year with, yeah. I, I mean, we heard so many F-bombs after he struck out, but oh, I mean, man. I know a lot of people, I was one of them, I, I told, you know, saying, you know, hey, now's not the time to start yelling it. But again, when you show that type of passion, I'm starting to think in my head, this kid wants to succeed. This yes. kid wants to win. Oh, no, nah, man, he's a natural. You know, the funny thing is, um, you know, when they came here earlier this year, um, Pudge Rodriguez is on the field, right? And this is probably arguably not the greatest catcher, the second greatest catcher, you know, or you can say third, whatever. He's top five all the time. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. And Jared is in BP. Pudge looks over and just says, whoa. And I look and I look over and I realized who it was when I saw number 10. I was like, yeah. He's like, he's that young? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's oh my God, he's gonna be a problem. And I said, yeah, he he has some, he got some skills on him. And, um, you know, Jared is very graceful. Um, you know, when he, when, when we talked, he talked a lot about baseball history. And a lot of times I, I've been lucky enough to interview a lot of these younger players and some of the best players in the, in the, in the game, past and present. You never hear them talk a lot about past players. And Jared knows a lot about this game. And I think that that's going to be huge. When you look at this organization in Seattle, I, I like what they're doing from a leadership standpoint. A guy like J.P. Crawford, who I'm really good with as well. Um, Mitch Hanniger, who I'm really good with. A lot of people, I know a lot of those guys on that team. Kyle Lewis, um, they just got a bunch of guys that that I think fit together. It's like a brotherhood. Um, you know, I, I deal with a lot of opposing teams when they come into town because I interview everybody. And outside of the White Sox, I've never seen a team that close this year. And Seattle just seemed like a really close team. And I know during a trade deadline, when that trade went down, it sort of brought a lot of morale down and a lot of guys were down. But, you know, for the most part, man, I think that like a guy like Jared, man, he's a potential, I think, a tier one guy. What I mean by that is this. He got the markability. He, he, he could definitely be likable amongst the cool kids. I mean, he could be a TikTok sensation if he wanted to. Um, I think he has the skills to back it up. And he also has the motor. He has the mouth as well. And I think that that's something that baseball needs. Um, Seattle seems to get lucky finding these young guys. And all of a sudden, they just become potential superstars. Like Jared, you know, when he got traded from the Mets, I remember asking him, I was like, man, do you, do you, um, is there some sort of chip on your shoulder? And he said, yeah. Um, because, you know, he struggled a little bit. And he hears the fans. He hears the media talking and stuff. And I just think that he knows what, what's expected of him. And to me, he takes ownership of that. And I don't, like I said, I deal with a lot of young guys. A lot of young guys sort of shy away from that. Oh, Jerry wants that. Jerry wants that. Because then when he knows when he's on top of his game, he's killing, he's going to look over at everybody that was talking and say, oh, well, say something now. So, you know, I think that with Jerry, man, this Seattle team is dangerous. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed at how they were able to put this roster together, especially now with Robbie Ray. Like, my God, I had to – it was bad enough with Chris and, um, you know, Mark on them. You had Robbie Ray to this team. I look, man, all my morale went down. I, I was like, well, we're back in the fourth to last now. It was, <laughs> we definitely don't have a chance. And, um, you know, I like what they're doing. Scott Service is going to get that team right. Um, that's another thing. Um, these guys are really – Jared really pays attention to them. Um, Jared can be goofing around a little bit sometime, you know, dancing around, joking around the fellas, and Scott says, hey – he gets his attention, and Jared is there, man. And like I said, Jared soaks so much, man, from the game. Um, you know, players look at him, 
you know, I asked players around the league, you know, I was talking to Joey Gallo, who was at the time on the Rangers, you know, and Joey said, man, that kid got the skills, man. He going to be something special. They know. It's just going to be when it clicks on finally. And I'm happy for Seattle fans because, you know, you guys have a history of having, you know, obviously some of the greatest players like Ken Griffey Jr., you know, Edgar Martinez, Ichiro. We can go down and list the great players that play in Seattle. Now you got another one in Jared, of course, Kyle Lewis, and the list goes on. But, yeah, man, Jared is going to be the real deal, man. We got to – I might have to have a talk with him. I got I got his info. I might have to hit him up, man, tell him, hey, man, I think there's some bad blood there. We we got to fix that, man. Jared, Jared is one of them guys, man, he don't, he don't take no nonsense, man. But I do know that a lot of times with these players – they don't run their social medias like that. So it could have been a friend or somebody that runs his social media that did that. So don't be shocked. No, I mean, and you putting us in contact with Jared be, would be great because again, yeah. look, here's, here's the thing. Like when I started this podcast almost now two years ago, this is almost a two year podcast on April 15th next mm-hmm. year. Love the fact that I started on Jackie Robinson day. Also yeah. kind of, I thought it was also kind of ironic. I start not just on Jackie Robinson day tax day, but also the anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. I thought that was hilarious, but if there's, you know, a couple guys that I just would dream to have on this show, Jared Kelnick is one because um, I've, here's the thing when he got called up and I'm not even kidding. I got the first authentic teal Jersey made for a fan at T-Mobile park. I was the first one to get it. So I was really happy about that. I'm such a huge supporter of him because I've been so excited for him. Julio Rodriguez is another one. Uh, we'll, t- we'll talk a little bit about Julio here in a second. Yeah. But uh, the, w- the one guy that I really would love to have on this podcast, and it would ju- and I think I would probably just go starstruck. I'd probably faint. I'd probably, uh, I'd probably just like die of shock is Ken Griffey Jr. But, oh, you know, I do this podcast so much for fun. I love having guys like you on here who have amazing contacts, who can put us in contact with those. I mean, but – in honesty, like I don't do it for contest. I do it because I love doing this, mm-hmm. and I and, and this is a fun thing to do. So here's a big si- situation that we needed to talk about is the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame ballot because I mm-hmm. know you brought me on to be a Bonds hater. Now here's the thing: even I'm starting to say let him get in. Yes, but um. I know uh, Nate actually said that one guy on the list that he does not believe that is going to get in. And I believe this too is uh, Sammy Sosa. I don't think Sammy yeah. Sosa is, is going to be getting into the hall of fame because um, look, we can talk steroids all we want, but there was controversy also, not just with the steroids, but he also had cork bats. You know, this it's, it's not, it's not great when you get a reputation like that. And, but from what I also remember, Sammy Sosa is the only major league ball player in the only player in baseball history to have three straight years of 60 plus home runs. But I mean, if you're going to go down the hall of fame ballot, you know, besides Barry Bonds, who in your opinion deserves to get into the hall of fame? Uh, See the problem that for me, the the hall of fame is a storytelling, right? And when you have to explain the story of baseball, it's going to be hard to skip that summer that happened right with mcguire and sosa um and obviously you know ken griffey jr was a part of that summer before you know the injuries obviously griffey's had the unfortunate look when we talk about that because 94 i think about 94 the strike year right man griffey would have hit 60 yeah yeah i think he would have broke the record i think he was just it was unreal two things that happened that may have hurt baseball him not breaking that record that year and then the expos 
That, that those oh were, see yep. that was the year that was the year that the X I'm still gonna say that the Expos were the World Series champions. Oh yeah, they were that, man, that, that, that and it and it ruined that that organization that franchise going forward. But and I think that was another big reason of why that they are in Washington as of right now and they're still not in Montreal yeah. because I believe if they would have if that strike hadn't happened, you know I think that the that the Expos would have not just have won the World Series, but have all, would have also been a big free agent market team as well. Yeah. You know, but to your question about, you know, what player I think that should be in the Hall of Fame, and I agree with, with Nate on the um, Sammy Sosa thing. I just think at the end of the day, yeah, he had a hot run. Maybe you could just throw the story in there somewhere. Hey, man, it was a good summer. And I think it's great to teach kids about the bad things that happen in baseball because it's it's a story. Baseball can't always be good. There's some scandals that happened that may have changed the course of baseball. But one guy that comes to mind is a former player that we both had to deal with, and Alex Rodriguez. Um, I know, I know there's a lot of hate towards the guy, but when we look at the history, especially during his time, I mean, you had at shortstop, you had the, the big three, right? You had him, Jeter, and Nomar. And the argument was always that, yeah, Jeter played on the better teams. But A-Rod was like the more I – mean, him and Nomar were like – you could argue with – I hate to tell people this. They were just as good as Jim, not better. And, I mean, A-Rod – look, I look at it this way. You can take steroids or human – you know, or HGH, whatever you want to call it, but you you got to be able to hit the ball too. Um, as Nate a person, did say that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and as a person who sat in a cage not too long ago and watched a pitcher that is a starting pitcher in baseball throw 95 miles an hour, I just can't imagine somebody trying to swing it. I had a – former player who took steroids that told me one time, you know, people think it's just so easy to hit a baseball. It's a health thing. And you, like I tell people all the time, my analogy is this. You could be Jason Giambi. You could be Jeremy Giambi. Both got something in common. And Mm -hmm. one of them, one of them had the contact to hit right foot for, for a good while. The other one had a hot moment and you saw what happened, but yeah, I think A-Rod is that guy. Um, I think David Ortiz will get in eventually. I, I know he didn't get in this time, but he's a Red Sox. You know how biased baseball is towards Yankees mm-hmm. and Red Sox. So, but I think A Rod is the other guy. Um, I, I do. I still think Barry Bonds should be in. I just think that you can't deny seven MVP. I don't even know how you explain that. You know, seven MVPs. You know, seven MVPs in any sport is that that's that's unheard of. So yeah, I think Barry should get in, but I also think. Alex Rodriguez to get in for sure, for sure. I think he's definitely the one. Maybe you know Roger Clemens before he had started acting a fool could have got in, but you know Roger, Roger lost me on the stand and stuff. Like to me, I rather you admit that you did it and we can move on. Um, but then when you start going on this little tirade and stuff, and then you already wouldn't like. And I think that may be Barry's biggest fault. He wasn't the greatest like likable person. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas like a you know David Ortiz who got caught, you know he's beloved. He's big poppy, right? So you know I think at the end of the day. I think those two guys come to mind because, you know, A-Rod and Bonds are definitely, I think, in there. But I, I agree, Nate. And I, I just can't see Sosa making it. I think there's just no. too much too much with him. Too much. And that's him. what I was saying. That's what I was saying about the steroids earlier in the, in the segment uh, before you were here is, like, I, I don't know steroids, and anyone can pop up science scientific evidence on this, but yeah. when does that help hand-eye coordination? It'll help your yeah. speed. I mean, you have to hit a ball coming at you at 96 miles an hour, square, <laughs> over the fence it just you can't it, roids are not that's hard to do like you can be as clean and as strong as barry bonds and not on roids and not hit a home run right yeah. it's just you have to put your hand out in the in the you have to throw your hands at the ball and hit it square and have that timing right and sure you can argue that the speed and the strength is one thing but seeing the ball 
with your eyeballs with these two windows to your soul and hitting it square. I just don't see steroids having any factor in success in hand-eye coordination. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, he, and, you know, one honorable mention, I would say Fred McGriff. Um, see, now I, that he, is one guy that I think is it, it's he, it's a crime to not have the crime dog in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't think he's even I on just, here, is he? No, um, he's not. And, nah, it, and it, that's that's one thing that really did piss me off. Yeah. Because I, I I could not believe that a man like Fred McGriff was not in the Hall of Fame. No, nah, um, it's, it's a it's a travesty, man. Baseball, and that's the thing that throws you know when we talk about the fandom side too. I think at the end of the day, fans get frustrated with this. A lot of people that are on baseball peers like ourselves that sit there and can watch nine inning games that got one run and be happy with with it. You know, there's the fans that aren't as knowledgeable that look up and say, "Well, why is Barry Bonds not in the Hall of Fame?" Or why is a guy like Alex because of the steroids? Really, man, we got guys in the NFL that have done you Lord knows what, and they they walked in the Hall of Fame with with pride. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think at the end of the day, baseball, we getting the old heads out of there. As I tell people all the time, the old heads are getting out of there. The people that were voting before, you about to see this new regime of young journalists come in, and it's gonna change. It's gonna shake. So I, I do have a question about the Hall of Fame uh, voters. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like. You see a lot of these guys that throw out tweets. It's like, oh, this is how I voted this year, and everyone's like, this is garbage. Like, what did you, what did you do? He's like, I didn't, you know, I didn't vote for this person because of some really dumb reason. You're like, man, how are you a baseball writer, and how are you, like, able to vote? Because I guarantee you, ninety five percent of the population is completely against everything you just put down on that paper. And it, and, then, and it was, and then and it was and they the get same... selected. Sorry, I got to pull that saying... tweet up. Yeah. Yeah, it was the same when I was talking to him about the three idiots who didn't vote in Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, come on, that, man. because be honest with me, Chris, right now, do you believe that Griffey should have been the first 100 percent Hall of Famer? Because I don't I don't believe that Jeter should have got 100 percent. I don't believe that Mariano Rivera should have got 100 percent. It's bias. Ken Griffey Jr. is an easy 100 percent. Come on, man. Yeah, like, I, mean, I, just think that I don't even care about the numbers, the impact. I mean, we talk about a guy that, and no offense, but like when you thought about the Seattle Mariners before he got there, it wasn't an organization that you looked at and said, oh, man, we're going to win some games, right? Griffey gets there, and of course you had Randy Johnson, who I think could have been 100% as well. Um, I, You know, Edgar Martinez, who got slept on for years, and finally they did the right thing. It just seems like, to me, baseball has this thing where they love Yankees, they love the Red Sox, especially the Yankees. And when I look at King Griffey Jr., his impact, there's kids, especially, or, you know, adults. All of us as adults were kids when King Griffey Jr. was coming in this prime, man. Like, look, I love my Texas Rangers. But boy, I used to attend every game over there at the at the, um, at the the ballpark when Griffey came in town. Like, mm-hmm. my grandfather made that happen. Um, the shoes. You know, you want to have a swagger like him, the video games. You know, slugfest, just things that he did. I think the off the field stuff is even more important because what he did for baseball, he brought a different kind of element to baseball that we had never seen. And not only that, we could talk about the stuff on the field. I mean, the dude obviously has the sweetest swing that we ever seen in history. And, um, you know, the swagger was there, you know, defensive guy. Um, even with the injuries, it's crazy the numbers that he put up. And, Barring any crazy injuries, this dude, this dude would have had the records that we pretty much love and try to cherish. So, yeah, he's 100% all the way. And not only that, he's a baseball lifer. His dad played baseball. His dad got good history in baseball. How do you not make this dude 100%? But, but you can tell me Derek Jeter is. When we can argue, Derek Jeter is not even the best shortstop of all time. Not even top three. 
when you talk about just the actual play, I ain't talking about the wins and the championships. I'm talking about the actual play. So, yeah, man, I think that Ken Griffey Jr. should have been 100%. Baseball is wrong for that. And, and to me, those writers should be named. And that's yes. what I've always – I've always been a, a person that said, you know, that's actually had a vote in another sport. Names should be put out there. Because we want to, I want to see who was the person that year when LeBron should have been unanimous MVP, but Carmelo Anthony got one vote, which was crazy. And <laughs> you know, like I want to know what person got something against King. It got to be somebody that King Griffey Jr. didn't do an interview for. Or something had to be crazy. had to be a Yankees reporter. <laughs> so, that tweet, so that tweet I was talking about was deleted by the author because he got so much hate for it. It was by uh, Steve Marcus uh, at Newsday alum. Um, he said, yeah, I don't even remember what the tweet was, but it was just some garbage tweet. And I'm just like, bro, you vote for the hall of fame. That's not even fair because yeah. I could put a better ballot together than this. And I'm not even a credentialed writer Man, for the BBW. I really think they should let fans in some sort of capacity have maybe 10% of the vote. Fans should have at least one ballot. So yeah. like all the collection of all the fan votes go on one ballot. Like yeah. honestly. Yeah. Cause I can't imagine anybody in the, in the world will say King Griffey Jr. could make an all-time starting lineup. That's how great he is. And we're yeah. talking about guys where Willie Mays played in the same position, you know, different guys that played in his position. He could make a starting lineup. And we're telling and we're talking about a generational talent. If Barry Bonds didn't exist or whatever, there's always this argument between those two. And I just tell people all the time it's preference. And right. at the end of the day, they're both great. And like I said, what he did for the game of baseball. I would argue anybody, Ken Griffey is the most influential baseball player that we have ever seen in baseball. And he hits the Yankees. I mean, what's not to like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God he didn't do that. Like, yeah. I, I deal with the, um, the Royals. I, I think the greatest quote that I've ever heard is, if the Yankees had, off, had offered me a contract and nobody mm-hmm. else, if I'm a free agent, I'd retire. I'd retire. I'd, I'd, that is, that's, that's a goat. That's a goat's comment. Well, to me, I just think that at the end of the day, like there's that history there. You know, he talked about how he His was treated dad. as a kid. Yeah. yeah and, and Craig Nettle's son is on the field. Everybody yep. else is on the field. And they make, make a big stink about it. And for the best player in baseball at the time to say that, that got to be devastating for Yankees. Because, you know, Yankees fans are like, I hate to say it, they're like us Cowboy fans. We think we can get everybody and we're going to get everybody. And then we got to get slapped in the face a few times let you know that, hey, man, there's some people that may not want to actually play for your team. So, yeah, yeah I think it is with um, the uh, bringing up Julio Rodriguez, I mean, the Mariners have, uh, you know, a, a plethora of players who can be superstars. Uh, Noel V. Marte, Jared Kelnick, uh, Logan Gilbert, even Brandon Williamson. But, I mean, let's just talk about Julio Rodriguez because uh, he made just an incredible stride last year with not just hitting the cover off the ball, uh, you know, in the minor leagues, but he, in the Olympics, was unbelievable, helped – uh, the Dominican Republic get a get a bronze medal. I mean, the 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 sky is the limit with this kid because I mean I want to say that the that the Mariners really do have the next superstar because uh, I kind of criticized the Rays for giving Wander Franco that big contract because mm-hmm. I don't think that a kid who has not even had eighty five games under his belt should be getting a, a, an eleven year deal. But you know, you're 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 worth as much as someone's willing to pay you. My mm-hmm. my former co-host used to say. But I mean, let's talk a little bit about Julio Rodriguez. I mean, Rodriguez, because this kid is the the next star that yeah. baseball needs. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the potential, let's just talk about 
what that outfield could look like when everybody's healthy. We're talking about, you know, Julio, Cal, and Jared. That's insane. I'm devastated as look as a Ranger fan. I am devastated to see this. Look, um, my first actual interaction of um Julio Rodriguez is when I saw him. And this kid was like six three, six four, I want to say, big kid. And I'm like, oh, we got a problem here. And um, I've heard different things about being a five-two player, but I've heard this a million times from different writers and stuff. But there was a particular writer here in Texas that sort of watches these younger guys like the Wanda Francos that come up and stuff, the Jerick Lennox that have all these names. And Julio Rodriguez got up a chance to be something special. And like I said, once again, this is when you're dealing with a great organization that, that gets it, that knows how to rebuild. Um, hopefully that, that turns into like winning, like actually making the playoffs. Because y'all, look, honestly, man, I hate this year's a strike here because I hate if something were to happen where there's no baseball. This was the year that y'all was supposed to get there, but I mean, Julio is a future guy, man. I mean, come on, man. Like, he's just – that's the crazy part. Like, he's just one of the guys, and he's going to be the superstar. Like, he may be the best of all of them, right? And you just named you just named several guys that, like, man, it's, they're young. They they got it. But you do the right – see, I was going to do the right thing, Bob. Um, you know, I, when the GM was here in Texas, they talked about it, the development of all these guys, you know, the health, um, the well-being, just sort of grooming them into it. Um, when you got the vets like Mitch Hanniger there, guys like that, they're learning. They're learning. And the thing about Julio is this, man. I remember, um, you know, um, Elvis Andrews um, one time said that, man, he got a chance to watch him a little bit. And he said that um, the kid got something special. He said you could just look at his his charisma, the way he moves, a certain way. He's a natural fit for the game. I don't know what play you can compare him to because it's just so me. It's very rare to find a dude six three like that that can move like that and do different things. But he's gonna be a superstar. Um, I'm I'm devastated. Like man, I'm glad that we drafted nothing but pitchers because the way we can figure it out because it's gonna be hell for the next about ten years. If Seattle can keep, I hope they do. Um, Seattle fans deserve it. Um, we know we didn't get none of us got a chance to see Ken Griffey Jr. win a ring, but I think and we never got to see each row win one. Um, who arguably is the greatest hitter in baseball we've seen in our generation. But this Julio Rodriguez, I think if health is, is right, um, just time. I think you got to be patient. Um, the thing with baseball is now we're so hungry to get the Juan Sotos of the world up, right? These young 20, 21-year-olds that all of a sudden come up be great and things sort of fall off and they, they go to the wayside a little bit. I think that with time. He's going to be unreal. And, look, Seattle better do everything they can do to keep him there along with Jared and Cal. That's dangerous. I've never seen this before. Like, we we talk about potentially a dynasty being built right before us, and we just don't realize it. And you start with having a young guy that we already know is going to be the real deal. And he's and he's unreal. So, I've heard, like I said, baseball players talk about him, players across the league talk about him. Um, J.P. Crawford, when I talked to him, mentioned about him a little bit as well, like the future of this organization. He's that guy. That gets brought up obviously and just not just in the organization baseball you know he's up there he's up there with these young guys that we all look at the one sort of like i think he's there i think it just takes time and i think health is gonna be a big thing for him and just him getting him getting acclimated to the game and i think that they got the, he's in the right organization to do that they're, mm-hmm. you know seattle is a great organization they're low-key about things and he's gonna be able to become who he wants to be and i think that if you're a superstar why not why not want to play in Seattle, right? So I think that he has that chance to be that for them and change the organization to be something to be what we watch them on prime time a lot more. Mm. Uh, Nate, anything for Chris before we get out? 
Yeah, what do you think about that MLB report that was leaked about those juice baseballs where the commissioner's like, yeah, give them give the dead oh, balls yeah. to Texas and Seattle, like games like that. Man, you know what's so funny about that? So, like, I got a couple of balls, right? And I sat here the other day. So do I. I. I'm, I'm having uh-huh. a ball real quick. <laughs> I got a future that no pun intended. I, I didn't mm-hmm. think about that. So this is a Mitch Hanniger. Mitch Hanniger signed down. He signed this for me. This is actually one of the balls that they were at the time talking about. They were juice. Now this none of that was messing around. I didn't throw these around. And I think this is a future guy that you guys may have in Trevor Story. That's my guy. There you go. That's my guy right there. But this whole juice, you know, baseball does things that ruins once again. When we talk about ruining the sport, you know, the biggest thing that I hated about baseball this year was this. And I got a chance to witness those no-hitters, right? And I knew after that second no-hitter versus Texas. When Corey Kluber do that no hit, I looked over at a reporter. I told him, I said, Well, in about a few weeks, we're gonna find out there's something wrong with the baseballs. You know, <laughs> players are talking about the baseballs. Next thing you know, it the, the pitchers are getting strip searched everywhere. And then you get these juice bags. Like, man, just everything that gets a spiritual heart. When the home runs are going, we were talking about these juice balls. We were loving the home runs, and the pitchers hated it. It's just like baseball finds a way to ruin a you know the happy ending pause, you know. Oh man, that's let me see this. Let me see. I see it. There it goes. Yeah, man, that's and then Jared Kellenick right here. Yeah, I got a bat over there for Jared, man. That's that's my guy, man. That's like yeah, I said. I mean, Rob Manfred is truly just trying to destroy this game. I mean, and he might be the worst commissioner in sports. Yeah, I mean, and we're talking. We're also saying that we're. This is also coming up in a conversation that Roger Goodell is also commissioner of a sports, but. For, for, I mean, Rob Manfred does everything he can to try to destroy yeah. this game. Um, I've said it before. I think Griffey should have become the commissioner of baseball. I kind of wish that he could have be, been the commissioner of baseball. But I love where he's at right now with the Mariners, uh, with the new ownership of this team. But, uh, uh, Chris, before we get you out of here, man, dude, thank you so much for being on this podcast, oh, man. man. It's been a long time coming. Oh, man, anytime, man. Like I said, I enjoy – I can talk baseball all day. And it's always fun, man, because, like I said, as a person that's here in Texas, you know, we get called the, the football. And it's true, football state, you know, we got the Cowboys, et cetera, et cetera. But, man, it's a lot of diehard baseball fans, including myself. Like, a lot of people don't realize baseball is actually my favorite sport. Although I'm relatively known for NBA stuff, maybe some NFL stuff in baseball, of course. But I've always loved baseball. Um, I just love the history of baseball. Um, as a person who had to watch it, the Mariners, you know, watch Griffey. Edgar Martinez is one of my favorite baseball players I got to meet. Growing, growing up, even in my later years, um, I honestly think they should make an award for designated hitters and name it after him. Um, I they, think he's, he's the perfect guy for that. Um, they did. He, well, I mean, like a legit. Uh, I ain't talking about just like no, hey, third level. I mean, award like because I hope they do the universal DH. I really do. Mm-hmm. Baseball better do this. I, I've been, I've been preaching this. Players don't like this. A lot of players don't like this, but. Hey man, it's more jobs. It's more jobs for the, for hitters out there. And um, like I said, at the end of the day, um, baseball is a great sport, man. And I enjoy talking to, especially Seattle fans. It's very rare to get a chance to talk to Seattle fans. Like I said, I did. I got a good friend in Jamal Crawford who's a Seattle fan of everything that happens in Seattle, good or bad. You know, I can make fun of the Seahawks, and next thing you know, he'll bring up what happened with the Legion of Boom, and I got to be quiet. So, you know, <laughs> and my guy, my guy there, my guy there did the ultimate. He got the he got the Mariners hat with the Kraken jersey, and you know, I just think that's that's insane. That's insane. That tells you what kind of passion he is, and you know, Nate, I can tell you definitely 
are into it as well, man. So I'm, you know, what I'm saying I definitely want to. I didn't have time to change today. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, you know, well, next time we gotta, I'm gonna have to talk to, I'm gonna have to have a talk with Jerry, man. I'm gonna have to see what's up with him, man. Cause yeah, yeah, I got one for you though, just sitting right here. There you go. How about this one? Oh man, that look, man, that's the that's that that's that early '90s vibe there, man. That's the that's the let's see, that's the young GP when he was number two, not number oh, twenty. That's a good one. Yeah. Is this a simply Seattle? Actually, man, like that's it. Look, man, and look, uh, C- Seattle's great, man. I, I, you know, I tell people all the time, very underrated sports city. What you guys have done with the Seattle Storm up there, um, what you have done with like the Seahawks. I had to go to that game up there for the Cowboys when we went up there. That I tell somebody, I don't never want to do that again. That was a headache. <laughs> y'all, I love the fans. Y'all are great fans, hospitality and everything. But I love Seattle, man. I think that Seattle deserves all the love in the sports world that the New York people get. And, of course, I'll say here in Dallas as well. And speaking of 90s, man, uh, this hat that I'm wearing, it is a 90s hat because wow, th- throwback, snapback. And I don't know if you can see this, but uh, – Nice little new era tag on there. That, that's classic. Look, man, I really hope that, you know, baseball gets this right and we get this lockout. I think we're going to be okay. Yep. Talking to several players recently, it seems like it's just a little st- temporary stoppage. I hope it does right because I really think the Seattle team is dangerous. I think that you just don't win 90 games and not get better, right? I think this team has – and I know the history doesn't really speak well on that because you guys have been on a 100-win team before and then all of a sudden goes bad. But if this team – I think they're dangerous. I hate to say that as a Rangers fan and a person who covers this team, but this Seattle team is coming. Look, them Houston boys know, as Breckman, talk to them all the time. They know it. Trust me. Everybody knows it. Seattle is that team. Getting Robbie Ray was huge. Adam Frazier, he's a great locker. He's a great clubhouse guy. Y'all going to love him. So what if what if Seattle signs Correa? Do you think that's in the – no, that they're, they're the favorite. They're the favorite. I Honestly, I, 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 I will put it on record right now. Honestly, I really think right now, if they if obviously Chris, it's interesting. There's so many teams on this career thing. I really think right now he's gonna want so much money though. He's gonna yeah. be worth 300 mil, I think. I but think just, you, yeah. your manners. I honestly think right now, as far as American League goes, they are Trevor Story away from being the best team, I think, in American League to compete with the White Sox and Yankees. So I add Korea and what do you got? If you add Korea, oh, yeah, Korea, then I, 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 I'll do like I did this year with the White Sox. I will pencil you in as the World Series favorite. You, yeah, you find Robbie, Robbie Ray. Like, look, man, like I was all happy and stuff. We got Seager, we got Marcus. I was like, yeah, we got some bats, man. You know, we still missing a lot, but we got enough. And then when they signed Robbie Ray, I got the message from one of my friends. Hey, man, the, the Mariners signed Robbie Ray. I had to put my head down. I was like, so that means they got Chris, and they got him, they got Mark. Whoa, whoa. What are we gonna do? Like this is crazy. <laughs> they got the youngins coming up too. They got all these guys. So honestly, if you get Korea, look, y'all better go to enjoy, enjoy now. Y'all gonna be watching a lot of baseball in October. That's what I'm. Gonna oh, say. that just said right. that, Chris. You have Carlos no idea. Just, mm. I thought have no idea just how you have no idea how amazing that even sounds. Baseball in October in Seattle. Oh man, look, look. It won't be no Seahawks. It won't just be Seahawks watching. I look. I'm devastated. Look, I hope. A uh, part of me doesn't want that to happen, but at the same time, I think that if any fan base deserves it, it's y'all, man. Y'all have had arguably the greatest player we've ever seen. Probably mm-hmm. the second greatest player of my generation, Ichiro. I think Ichiro is vastly underrated. Sounds crazy to say that, but people don't talk about him. And they never got a chance to go to that World Series. And they were loyal to their franchises, unlike A-Rod that just went for the money. Yeah, Ichiro is the first ballot, like in my mind. Um, oh, 100%. Uh, Ichiro, uh, Ichiro, look, Ichiro is the greatest hitter. 
of, of our generation. Let's get oh, yeah. that part out. I you think I, I will state this right now. Look, Pete Rose may have been the, the hit king. Yeah. I, this, and this is one thing that I wanted to ask you really quickly huh? before we end this. I mean, Pete Rose needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, Pete well, Rose needs to be in the Hall of Fame. He does. Hands down. He does, but Pete Rose doesn't help himself. You know well, how some guys, like, they, yeah. they, when they mess up, they sort of just sit back and then they, they keep messing up, up. Right. And then they get, <laughs> and, you know, they calm down a little bit. You know, you just, you go on this apology tour. So, sort of like, well, Barry Bonds is coming this ultimate nice guy now. All of a sudden, everybody seems to say, oh, well, you know, he may not be as bad. Pete Rose, great guy. But he continues to do the things that baseball tells him, hey, man, if you calm down, we'll get you right. And look, yeah, he should be there. I mean, P. Rose is one of the greatest players ever, man. He's part of the Big Red Machine. We, look, man, we, anybody a part of that team that had any kind of clout, he would definitely be on this. I mean, Tony Perez is there. You got a lot of guys on that team that, that have made it, and he's not there. It's sad. But once again, it's baseball. Like I said, baseball is the one sport where our legend somehow because of scandal. Mm-hmm. We don't let them in, but football will be like, hey, man, as long as you, ca- you caught a couple of touchdowns, you know, you're good to go. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, if y'all get Correa, man, I'm telling you right now, I'm – look, man, I I hate to do this. I'm, I'm My Ranger fans going to kill me for this, but I, <laughs> I'm on record of saying I'm banning them from MLB the show. So I'm calling that out now. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm telling all my people, like, if you pick if you pick the Mariners on MLB the show, we're not friends, we can't play. But if y'all get Correa, man – I'm gonna tell you this is if y'all since y'all are fans and also yeah. I, I consider y'all media as well, journalists yeah. as well. Um appreciate it. Great, great guy, great guy. Um, I know there's a lot of things about Carlos Correa that's been talked about, but one thing I will tell you about him that I know personally, um he can feel the he, ball. He's a locker room, he's a clubhouse guy. And if you really want to get the best out of Julio, get the best out of Jared, he is the ultimate guy because he got the skills to back it up. And also, he's he's a real good clubhouse guy. You never hear a bad story about him in the clubhouse. And the reason why Houston was so successful, yeah, they had the talent, but he was their leader. He's their leader. A lot of people don't realize that. He's their leader. I talked to Bregman about it. He was such a leader on that team. And I know he gets talked about for all the other things that happened in Houston, but Seattle gets him, man. Boy, whew, I don't even know what to do. And honestly, he will be willing to play third base because I know – that he understands that, you know, J.P. Crawford, who the Seattle respects, and him and J.P. got a relationship, by the way. They're pretty cool with each other, Adidas guys, so keep that in mind. Yeah. Mm. So I had All a right. question. So if you had one day uh, left to live on this planet and the mm-hmm. C- and the Cowboys were playing in, a, in an away game and you only had one day left, would you would you go to that game in Philly or in New York? Uh, <laughs> you know – I went to Philly one time and I never would do it again. So, <laughs> as I, yeah, I went there as a fan. I, yeah, I'm not. I, I I would never go to now. If I knew the outcome of the game, then yeah. But I'm I'm gonna pick New York because at the end of the day, that means I got a chance to go go see Yankee Stadium, the new oh, one, yeah. of course, not the legendary one. Um, maybe go to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a nice sports trip. So I'm gonna pick New York because okay. I I've been to Philly before and that that didn't end well for me. I pulled up there with a T.O. jersey because T.O. is my guy. And, mm. um, yeah, that didn't go well for me. I almost got beat up at the stadium. And, yeah, never <laughs> going to Philadelphia again. That's the worst place to go. Right. Yeah. I had to ask. I had to ask. No, that's that, that. I would say, yeah, definitely. But if I could pick a dream stadium, I would say um, Lambeau. Um, Oof. There you I, go. I, I want to – if I know it's my last day or if I were to freeze to death, I'll go to the <laughs> game ever. Just get me out there. Um <laughs> Like I said, Lambeau is a different kind of experience. Um, I've been blessed enough to be out there in Seattle 
go to that field and you know watch that Legion of Boom at their at their zenith. And I thought that was the greatest moment you know I had ever in a few years from football because I was really hating football. And I I at the same time here comes Seattle. And of course I had Earl Thomas who I knew. Um, you know Richard Sherman okay. was. Yeah. yeah, Earl Sherman. I mean, um, Earl Thomas. You know, Richard Sherman, um, Cam Chancellor. That whole team. Y'all got a lucky man. That was the greatest. Like I, I tell people that, that that was an unreal team, and you know, just great things, man. And I was lucky enough to go watch them in person in that in that in that in that field and to see the fans, how passionate that twelfth man. You know, we got one down here in Texas A and M, right? That they call this little twelfth man thing. I tell them this is baby steps compared to what's up there in Seattle. Seattle is almost like going. You you ever want to like lose your hearing? Go there. It's really that bad. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely a, a football dream of mine that came true. So yeah, nice. much love to that. Awesome, definitely. Thanks for taking All right. that one. All right, Chris. Hey, thank you so much for uh, yeah. joining us tonight here on Seattle Sports Stars, dude. I want to have you back here on. Uh, but real quick question, man. Uh, you excited for Sonic the Hedgehog too, man? Because I, I saw the trailer. Yeah, man. Um, you know, as a kid growing up, obviously Sega Genesis was the was the cool system to have yeah. at that time. And um, you know, we getting them more. Jim Carrey's in the movie. I think that that you know Jim Carrey's a legend in my books. Um, a lot of different you know figures in this game. It looks better. The first Sonic the Hedgehog kind of messed us up a little bit. We were all kind of upset, but. I'm excited to see what they do this. And they got knuckles in there. They got knuckles in there, man. Like, <laughs> is it, I'm I'm a kid in the candy store, man. I'm excited to see. You know, sometimes these video game movies we get we get messed up on. Look, we got Uncharted coming soon as well. So, oh you, my uh, god, I, yeah. I, dude, I I seriously cannot wait for that movie. That is going to be yeah. a good movie. Yeah. Um. So here's a bit. Here's a real good question for you, man. So, let's say they are going to remake the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to remake that movie, do you do it with the suits or do you do it with the CGI and make them look exactly like the suited turtles and keep that darkness, keep the violence up like it was? I keep the violence like it like it was. Um, but what I would do is this. You got to find somebody to play Casey. And um, what I mm-hmm. would do is this. I'm going to the NHL for that one. Uh, <laughs> and- I love it. And when I'm trying, when I'm thinking is this, you got to find somebody that has the look, right? It'll be hard to, man, Case Jones, is, that's, a, that's a different kind of look there. But um, I'm getting the NHL player to play Casey Jones. I think it'd be, I think it'd be great because, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, like I said, I, I would, I would definitely keep the violence. I Look, I, I'm dreaming of the day we get a rated R Ninja Turtles, like actual, yes, actual, actual, actual movie. Like, man, I'm like, look, with this, like with Batman, you know, we always had the PG Batmans and stuff. And look, I think Mike Keaton is the greatest Batman that probably walked the earth besides, you know, Christian Bell, et cetera. But we getting a rated R Batman now. I mean, come on, man. It's time. You know, I love Ninja Turtles. Turtles in Time HD is my one of my favorite games. I, one of my favorite T-shirts I probably would have wore today is a Ninja Turtles shirt. Um, I love Ninja Turtles, man. But, yeah, I would definitely keep the violence on there. Um, but I would make it more personal about each person. Like, you know, we know Michelangelo to be the goofball in the way. You know, Donatello being the smartest one. You know, Ralph or Leonardo being sort of like the leader. So I want them to focus on them as characters more. But that Casey Jones, if you can make somebody Casey, right, and get them the right look, I'm telling you, get an NHL star. 
Y'all can pick one. I'll let anybody. Pick Connor one. McDavid. Oh, they get Connor. McDavid. See, the problem is this. I would love to see Connor McDavid do it. I just he has a he has a good personality. I think he could do it, but you can find somebody. Maybe find a defenseman that you can think of. Um, that would be uh, like Eggman Larson, somebody that would be different. That Maybe even Brandon Tanev. Oh wow, I didn't think about that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, I, Turbo Turbo Tanev here from the Kraken, man. I, I like that. See, there you go. I think you should do it because it'll be great. Because you well, know. um, uh, since we're talking Ninja Turtles, I'd like to personally invite you. Uh, we're going to be starting a new YouTube channel here soon. Okay. It's also going to be a a new podcast called BS Commentaries. What it is okay. is a movie commentary channel. Okay. Um, and if you're interested, man, I'd love to have you as the co-host. I'd love I'm to, not, I'd love to, I'd love to have you as a co-host, brother. Man, I would, I would come on. Matter of fact, I got a couple people that I know that actually worked with that, with that brand during the night. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, man, like, we, yeah, we yeah. got, we got to figure some stuff out. Cause the next okay. time I come on here, especially for the sports, I'm bringing a player on here with me. And I already know the player I'm going to bring is y'all like to talk Seattle. I'm not, I'm not a Seattle player, but we're going to get a Ranger in here. So he got to answer the question. <laughs> Because he got a lot to answer. He, he faced y'all this year. So okay. he, you should okay. bring Jonah Hyman. Bring Jonah Hyman. I have questions. I'm gonna bring somebody that had to go through them bats. And uh, you know, Taylor Hearn okay. is one of my, Taylor Hearn is one of my guys, and Taylor Hearn actually faced y'all several okay. times. And Taylor Hearn would definitely got a lot to say about that. About that. Well, um, hey Chris, I, I appreciate you hearing my uh, offer out for the commentaries. Like I said, man, uh we're gonna you make know, it happen. I, you know, dude, let's let's keep DMing back and forth. Like right. I said, man, I would love to have you be that co-host because again, I, you you have a lot of influence uh here on social media here in the gaming world, and I think you'd have a lot of influence there too. Yeah, man, I'm everywhere, man. Like I said, I think that's the biggest reason why a lot of people don't realize why I'm so good with these athletes. It's not just about baseball. It's not about sports. You know how to connect with them on a personal uh, level. These dudes, like right now, my PlayStation's on. Tristan McKenzie, who plays for the Cleveland Indians, will hit me up every day, and we will play a game or two. You know, you know, these guys love video games. Jerry Kalenic loves video games. Like they, these guys love video games, and I think it's dope. You know, with journals like. You know ourselves, like our you guys included, because y'all are like me, man, in a way. Because y'all like the things that we all like. Nobody cares about you know OPS and there. Like when they go to the ballpark, I wish you know if I can get with Seattle PR, I would tell them you need to bring these guys in and let them cover a couple of games. Because at the end of the day, they get tired of talking about the same thing. You guys will bring a breath of fresh air, and that's what baseball needs. It need you more, know, it, we need more Nates. We need more. We need more you. We need more y'all, man. We need. We need that. The game is yep. the game is uh, going, man. Mike, by the way. See, I've been calling you Seattle. I just call you Seattle. That's your <laughs> name. We're gonna call you Seattle Mike. That's what I'm gonna call you Seattle. Okay, Mike. I like it. I like it. So, real quickly, you mentioned the Indians. I want to bring this up because I, mm -hmm. I always uh love to mention this, but mm -hmm. uh I hate that the Indians are now an XFL team called the, the Cleveland oh, Guardians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um one of my favorite logos of all time, and I have the hat, I have 10 of these bad boys, mm -hmm. is the classic Chief Wahoo. With the uh, 97 World Series patch on there. Uh, now, I understood why it was removed. But I, a, a real quick story I want to tell here on uh, this, on the podcast. I, I used to work for LIDS. Uh, I did that for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And I started out in uh, Arizona in an outlet mall in Chandler. And we were close by the Native, uh, we were close by the Native American uh, Reservation. We had a guy come in there, uh, Native American. He's like, I want all your Chief Wahoo hats. And I'm like, you don't want the size? And he's like, no, no, no. I, I want all of them. So mm -hmm. he ended up buying 31 Chief Wahoo hats. I said, what are you going to do with all these things? He's like, 
well, all of us on the reservation, we're going to wear them. And I'm just like, really? You, you you don't think it's an offensive logo? And he's like, no, 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 no. We love the logo. It's, it's, it's the great. And they even said they love the Redskins too. Yeah. But it's just, uh, it's PR friendly today, man. It's unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, PR friendly because like I I got to be careful when I say certain teams' names and you know we grew up with the you know I, I understand mm-hmm. it's a sensitive thing and look I'm all agreeance that hey if it, if a change is needed that's great but we mm-hmm. grew up think about it man the Indians mean more than just baseball man what about the movie Major League Major How League you go? I was just gonna say you Major yeah. League man like man you talk about that '97 team the Jose Mesa letdown. You know, oh. Albert Bell. Albert Bell. Yeah, man. Look, Manny Ramirez, is, as great as Manny Ramirez was, arguably his best year as a baseball player was that year. If you mm-hmm. go look at his numbers, like he was yeah. unreal a year. Like he was unreal. Uh, Roberto Alomar later in his years after leaving Toronto, what he did there. Um, Omar Vizquel, the list goes on, which I, every person we named got controversy around their name, which is crazy to say mm-hmm. that. But, um, yeah, man, it's unfortunate, man. But baseball had to do what they had to do. Um uh, it's gonna to be tough calling them the Guardians. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It really, to you. Is, because especially since the XFL, like I said, already has the Guardians. Yeah. Um. Real quickly, Chris, here in 2020, I need to ask a big favor of you, not just uh, for the movie commentary channel, but mm-hmm. whenever the Rangers are here in Seattle, mm-hmm. I need you to make a trip up here, man. And I gotta treat you to, uh, I gotta treat you to a game. I gotta treat you to some drinks afterwards, man. Because again. Dude, I, I I appreciate the hell out of you for coming on this podcast, and I and I and dude, I appreciate you always listening, hearing me out on this. And uh, dude, if you become uh, the co-host of BS Commentaries, dude, I look for I look forward to just working with you. You know, just not just with that, but also uh, future podcasts and uh, you know player introductions as well. Yeah, man, I'll definitely have to make a trip up there. Hopefully, it's this year. Um... I'm starting to do more baseball games outside of Texas. Uh, obviously, with basketball, I'm everywhere. NBA, um, you know, football, very seldom, but definitely basketball. So I definitely got to come up there, man, and check out the park, man. And um, like I said, it'll be it'll be it'll be dope. I was there, man, probably in 2007. So yeah, that was a while back. That was when the Rangers started making that turnaround a little bit. We weren't as good, but we were getting there. Um, so I got to make another trip back, and it'll be dope, man, because. You y'all are passionate, man. I love this. This is the side of media that you don't get a chance to see. It's a lot of old heads, man. And I say, you know, when I go in these these clubhouses or go in that press box, I don't see too many young guys that have this enthusiasm. And I'm like the only one. There's a few of us here in Texas. We kind of sit together and we just talk about other things, like random funny things that go on. And the old heads hate it, but we need more. We need more. And I think at the end of the day, Hopefully one day I get to see y'all in the press box, man. And that, y'all, they're like, look, I think it, I think it will happen. Like, I think you know, you're on the right step. What you're doing now it. to represent your city, represent your sports, you know a lot about this game. Trust me. Don't never say, hey, I don't think they'll let me in. People, if I'd have told you, I, I used to think the same thing, and then one day I just had to ask. And they said, okay, well, you've already had a great mm-hmm. guest on earlier. This dude is a great guy, man. John's a great guy. And like I said, you getting the guest on, man. The more you get on, the more your name gets out there. You're going to get there. And like I said, hopefully one day we will meet up in Seattle. If not, man, maybe when Cooperstown gets right and everything, we'll be up there. We can say, man, remember we said such, 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 we, you know, we all going to be there to have fun and laugh and stuff like that. But I definitely going to make a trip up there. Like I said, especially if y'all get Korea, man, I'm going a, I'm to a show up there. I ain't going to put on no Seattle stuff, but <laughs> show up there. I ain't saying I'm a bandwagon fan, but I'll, I'll let people know, like, look, man, that, that's it. but I really hope 
that you know mm-hmm. y'all and Seattle fans be able to get a chance to witness a World Series because even though my Rangers lost two World Series, as a person who got a chance to cover those World Series, that's an experience I never will take away. I I tell people all the time I covered the Mavericks winning the championship. It was nothing like covering the World Series baseball game. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, especially against St. Louis. You know, I'm seeing Albert Pujols. I'm seeing all these players that you look at on TV that are superstars. And I we didn't win, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was the greatest thing ever because I never would have thought my team, the Rangers, would be in the World Series. So, you know, anything can happen. We just watched Definitely. the Braves win a World Series that they lost their best player and they still won a World Series. So anything's mm-hmm. impossible. And I think Seattle's going to be that team that we're going to look at in a few years and say, they're a problem. They're a problem. Definitely. Well, if you're um, out in San Diego anytime, that's where I live. Okay. I grew up in the Northwest, but I'm out in San Diego. Uh, I got the tacos and beers out here. So I'm definitely going to be in San Diego because, like I said, I, I go up there quite often. Like I said, um, I definitely want to see the um, – I believe out there at the, at the park, they do have a um, Tony Gwynn mural. A statue. They do. Yeah, come on out. I know exactly where it's at. I, just, I, need, I uh, need to check that out. I shot you a message, so you should uh, you yeah. should see it. Here's... Yeah, I'll be sure to follow like But I said, uh. Yeah, we'll connect, man. I'll shoot y'all my number stuff, man. We're gonna get I want to get a play on here, man. We can have some fun so y'all can Dude, you know he... you know, Chris, real quickly. So um I know Nate is, uh we talked about this last week, but I I get a lot of criticism because of something some stuff that happened in my past. But you know, I've I've grown up over these past, you know, uh seven years and everything, mm-hmm. and I've done my fair share, and I'm trying to also pay it forward by not just uh, giving stuff away, but also trying to make people's uh, lives a lot happier. And I, and everything that you just said, man, of wishing me the best of luck, trying to get into the press box, that really does mean a lot to me. I, I mean, oh, no, I, from the bottom of my heart, that 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 really really means a lot to me, bro. No, no, no man, you like I said, we gonna make some things happen. I I just hit on one of my one of my guys, man, and I told him about y'all just now. He's gonna. Um... He's going, we're going to connect, man. You're going to be happy at who it is. So we're going to make some things shake for y'all, man. Like I said, at the end of the day, I'm just a guy that, you know, I've always been independent every for my 11 years. I've always tried to push a, a different narrative and have fun and sort of be the outsider, uh, that truly be an outsider in the world where you can't be. And like I said, it's a lot of me, a lot of people that are like me out there, and you guys fit that mold too. Like I said, we, we all can get there. Um, at the end of the day, especially with baseball, it's a sport where they're looking for something new, something fresh. They're tired exactly. of the old, and I think that you guys should be able to do that with ease. Like, yeah, I know you in San Diego, man, cover the Padres. I know they're, they're a team that maybe, man, trust me, it's not that hard. Baseball PR people, for the most part, are the most giving when it comes to any sport right. because they look at it like, we need the coverage. You know, right. yeah, I've taken coming. I've taken the steps. Uh, I was actually slated to go to the winter meetings. I believe it was 2019. Oh yeah, you it, definitely. It, yeah, I have I have the uh, I have the ability. With- cover 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 AAA. I tell people all the time. You want to know why a lot of these young players? I'm good with them. Cover AAA. Okay. Let's cover Tim Anderson, man. Like people know me and Tim Anderson real close. I knew Tim Anderson before he touched the MLB game. Yeah, and Tim, you know, now he's one of the best shortstops in the world, right? Yeah, ironic how that works. And you know, you cover these guys when they're young because then you can go to these PR teams say, but I was covering Jared when he was up there in AAA, and they'll say, Oh, well, okay, well, we'll let you in. You know, mm-hmm. I went to the Rangers and said, Hey, man, I was covering you know, such and such when he was not, you know, the best, you know, not in the on the MLB roster. I, I saw Joey Gallo game. when he was a Spokane Indian up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Joey Gallo was a <laughs> great guy, man. I got a funny feeling y'all could end up with a guy like him too. 
Like that could be an ironic deal too. Like Seattle's gonna be a nightmare. Like I had to deal with the Houston fans because it's like two hours away. So I got to deal with them. I think their little run is done. Obviously, mm-hmm. now I got to deal with Seattle. Seattle's next. As long as it's not Los Angeles, I'm I'm happy. Like because <laughs> the Angels do it the wrong way. They just got the money and they want to spend all the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, nah, I'm happy for Seattle, man. So, like I said, I'm. I hope we can get some things rolling, man. And I hope to see y'all in that press box, man. We are gonna make some things happen, though. I got some. I, I think I got some good contacts with Seattle. We can make appreciate some stuff it. happen. Appreciate Thank it, you. Chris. Yeah, man. All right, that is gonna do it for this episode of the podcast, uh, Chris. Again, dude, thank you so much. Uh, stay with us all the way to the end of the podcast. Um, dude, I and I also appreciate your uh, your patience uh, waiting while uh, John was doing his interview. But uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for both me and Nate. We're saying so long until next Friday. Again, next Friday is going to be our last podcast of 2021 uh, with uh, Christmas coming up. And of course, New Year's Eve, we kind of want to we kind of want to be with the family on Christmas Day. And we also want to be able to party on New Year's Eve. But uh, so long, everybody. And we'll see you next Friday.